Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of June 2021, and it is once again that time of the month wherein we do our special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, Essentially, what this is, is a opportunity for myself and uh, my co-host for today, Brad, from the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, to peruse the upcoming uh, physical media releases for the calendar month. So in this case, June 2021. So this would consist of DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. Uh, But without further ado, I should probably introduce uh, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Oh, it's it's going great, man. No worries. No worries. Uh, I just got to say, like... Part of being on this monthly uh, special that we do, I think it's really hurting my wallet because uh, I've been spending a lot more money on Blu-rays because of this, which is fun, but uh, we'll see how I feel about it like a couple of years from now when I'm broke and living back at my parents' house. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how your girlfriend feels about it when she doesn't have any space to live. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Brad, I'm supposed to have like a, a part of the apartment to live in. I, I, it's it's covered in boxes of unopened Blu-rays. Yeah, eventually the the shelves will make their way into the bedroom. They're not quite there yet, but uh, a few more and they'll, they'll get there. Don't worry, they'll get there. Oy, 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 oy. Well, yeah, I told you off air uh, last time we spoke, Brad, that it's important that that, that we, we indulge our habits like independent of this show I, I don't want this to become a problem because i actually have noticed that as well on, on my end um but you know it's all in good fun yeah i part part of the reason we do this show is just to kind of like i don't know splurge a little it, it's an excuse to just kind of fill an imaginary shopping cart in our head uh it's like putting together a wish list for each calendar month doesn't necessarily mean we're going to buy everything that we talk about uh, but basically this is just an opportunity for us to look at uh, the upcoming releases, and just say a little something about anything that jumps out at us. Uh, so, folks at home, if you would like to play along with the home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, uh, you can do so by navigating to the lovely website, uh, blu-ray.com, uh, and then head to the release date calendar, uh, and just go to June 2021. And uh, also, if you're not familiar with how uh, physical media releases generally work, uh, they occur on Tuesdays of most weeks. Uh, so the first date uh, that we have releases in June just happens to fall on the 1st, uh, fittingly enough. Uh, and right out the gate, uh, as is customary with the way Blu-ray.com tends to organize their stuff, uh, we have a 4K disc of Smokey and the Bandit uh, from 1977. Uh, I assume that this is debuting in the format. Is that right, Brad? I believe it is, but uh, that was me assuming as well. I'll double check here. Yeah, I believe this is the the debut on 4K. Yep, yep. Yeah, so this would be the Burt Reynolds headlined uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, Of course, it's, I think it's a franchise, if not a trilogy. Um, Do these movies mean anything to you, Brad? Because unfortunately, they, I I like Burt Reynolds in general, um, but these movies, not so much like they, they've never been on my radar yeah i've never seen this one i've never seen any of them for that matter um i would like to watch them i just remember when burt reynolds died uh i was talking to my mom about it and she was i forget how we talked about it but she was basically like oh yeah Smokey and the bandit that was like his big movie and i was like i don't know would you say that or deliverance would be his bigger movie and she was like i don't even remember what deliverance is so i, I guess for the majority of people that grew up at that time, Smokey and the Bandit was uh, the the big movie of his. Maybe uh, 
in later days we've adopted Deliverance as one that maybe has kept alive a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, I, I would like to see it at some point, and uh, yeah, I would, I'm sure it looks great on 4K. No, like Burt Reynolds was was and kind of is like a, a little bit of a, a cultural icon. I mean, e- even without having lived through the decade of the '70s, I mean, just seeing uh, Norm Macdonald's take on on him uh, for the Saturday Night Live sketches yeah. was absolutely wonderful. Uh, of course, later in life, he was fantastic in Boogie Nights. Um, we have kind of like a, a family in joke uh, about the movie Hooper. Um, which uh, he has a lot of those kind of titles in his filmography. There's like Gator and Hooper <laughs> and stuff, just like random shit like that. But yeah. uh, apparently, like my my parents had uh, one. They've had tons of shitty movie outings, but apparently, one of my dad's shithead friends when he was young uh, insisted that they go see some movie called Hooper, <laughs> like, and it ended up being a lousy night. And forevermore, that movie just kind of has that reputation. Uh, in their memories so by proxy i've kind of projected that onto it uh, in my mind so i'll if i have an opportunity to watch hooper <laughs> i probably will at some point um but yeah in terms of like critical acclaim i think uh i think deliverance is probably pretty high up there um but i uh, i could be misremembering but was he in a the cannonball run movies as well i think that's him yeah i think so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen those either, but uh, the it uh, trivia factoid. I remember my brother telling me that Jackie Chan uh, was featured in. Uh, I'm not sure if it was all of them, but it was kind of a small role in an American feature, uh, or like kind of early in his endeavors in mm-hmm. American cinema. Uh, so that's, I guess, an alternative excuse to check out Cannonball Run. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Smokey and the Bandit has a huge uh, cultural legacy. I, I would imagine it kind of parallels like the Dukes of Hazard or something along those lines. In fact, I bet that TV show maybe came out of the success of these films. But uh, unfortunately, it means absolutely nothing to me and, and mine. So um, this is not a disc I'll be spending money on, but it is a it is a movie that is a cultural artifact that's probably worth a lot to a lot of people. I will say Hooper is on Blu-ray. Uh, 11.99 right now. You can get Hooper on Blu-ray. Just a heads up. <laughs> I'm 11 dollars away from Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe not today, but so- someday, Brad. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. Um, beside that, we have a Blu-ray release of Rat Race, uh, which I believe this is debuting on the format. Um, this kind of this movie, when it was advertised, kind of had that uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world kind of look to it. Um, do you know if it's similar to to that film? I've never seen it's a mad, 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 mad world, but I I think it's kind of a pretty clear riff on it. Um, but I have seen Rat Race. It's been a long time, but I do remember having fun with Rat Race when I was younger because it is that sort of like big cast, all going on road trips. They're all after a, a million bucks or whatever it is. And uh, I, I might pick this one up. I would be curious to see it again. Uh, I believe it does end at a Smash Mouth concert, which is amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's certain uh, aspects of it have probably not aged well. But, I mean, just the cast alone is worth uh, checking out. I mean, I, I think I remember liking Rowan Atkinson in it quite a bit. His whole gag is um, he keeps, like, he has, like, narcolepsy. And so he keeps, like, getting, like, super close to the money, but he, like, keeps falling asleep and missing out on it um so that's pretty good pretty good bit and uh yeah it's 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 a fun little movie not a great movie but i remember having fun with it yeah it actually looked pretty fun and and as you had mentioned the cast seemed like a big selling point uh it came out in 2001 which explains the smash mouth um, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> but 
it's a shame that like John Lovitz as a public persona seems to shit the bed constantly um, because as a comic as a comic performer I I always will show up for John Lovitz I find him absolutely hilarious mm-hmm. but the, every time he makes headlines these days I'm like god damn it like why can't you just be a funny guy why do you have to have opinions on things um, but he would be a big selling point for me personally yeah. even in 2001 um, but uh, beside that we have a uh, Paramount Presents uh, disc uh, of Mommy Dearest from 1981 uh, do you know this one by reputation? Because I, it's I'm drawing a blank on it, honestly. Well, it's the it's the true story or based on the memoir of um, who is it? Now I'm blanking. Uh, Christina Cro- Joan Crawford and her daughter. Joan Crawford and her daughter, and uh, I guess uh, it is basically known for that uh, classic "no wire hangers ever" scene. Um, oh, where, uh, yes, I, I know that scene. Yeah. <laughs> And I've heard it's not a good movie. I don't know if that has changed. Like, I don't know if opinion on it has changed. I would be curious to watch it because it seems like it does have a reputation in some regard. Um, And I do like this uh, Paramount Presents uh, Blu-ray label. I've only got a handful of them, but uh, I don't know. Those numbered spines, man, I just I keep telling you, like, I really would love to have them all, put them all on a line on my shelf. But they messed up with that uh to catch a thief blu-ray the transfer on it is awful and it was almost like thank god i don't have to get all these because it's i've heard just terrible things about it but uh yeah i i probably won't pick this one up on blu-ray but i i would like to watch it at some point yeah you hear that blu-ray distributors brad's into the numbered spines so keep that thing going. no don't don't don't, <laughs> don't do it <laughs> no more this is how brad finds himself without space to sleep yeah exactly <laughs> uh speaking of which i i saw the other day that vestron uh has oh, yeah. started putting out discs again actually they they uh they have one that i might pick up uh, it's the wraith yeah yeah uh, which uh, it is a pretty solid little 80s gem. Uh, I, I quite like it. In fact, the soundtrack is is stellar, uh, yep. at least at least to me anyway. I'm into that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, that one's been very uh, anticipated from that label for a long time. They did just like a day or two ago announce the next one, um, and I've never heard of this movie, but it definitely has me curious. Uh, it's called Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat. Um, it's got David Carradine, Bruce Campbell... Uh, and it sounds like uh, here, the tagline was pretty amazing. If I can pull up the tagline here, it says the tagline for the movie, there are two types of folks in purgatory, vampires and lunch. That's, that's pretty good. That's got me intrigued. That's got me excited. (laughs) Yeah. They, they know what kind of audience they're shooting for. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I was excited to see Vestron make a comeback because, uh, I think, over the course of one of the conversations we had a few months back, it sounded like they were kind of in limbo there for a minute. So yeah, beside that, it uh, looks like we have a collection of the Little Rascals uh, television series from 1929 to 1930. Uh, that's some good old-fashioned black-and-white fun. Uh, beside that, we also have the Stepford Vibes uh, from Paramount Pictures 2004. Uh, this is a Frank Oz film, very surprisingly. Um uh, this movie has a terrible reputation, even though most of us know and love Frank Oz, but everything I've heard about this movie is absolute crap. And in fact, like it 
it's kind of unusual in the sense that there's like deleted materials, like additional scenes and whatnot that actually seem to make the movie even worse. Oh yeah. Which is, it's usually not the case, you know, usually it's the other way around, but yeah, uh, this was a, obviously a remake of, I think it came out in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a tonal standpoint, this movie sounded like a complete mess. And in fact, you could kind of tell just from the marketing that really didn't quite know what it was trying to do. Like it, it marketed itself as like a quirky, fun little thing. Um, but that wasn't the point of the original film, not by a long shot. Um, man, Nicole Kidman in, in like the 2000s seems like she was doing a lot of, like she had a very hit and miss filmography going on where she had like Oscar hits and then she had like Bewitched. Yeah. And then, <laughs> it's like, where the fuck are you going with your career? <laughs> it was like almost she wanted to st- keep doing like these acclaimed dramas, but she realized that if she wanted to keep like her A-list status, she had to go down into the garbage a little bit and uh, make some movies for the mouth breathers. So she she kept her celebrity status while doing some like you know high profile, pretty solid projects. And this would be one of the ones in the dumpster, unfortunately. Well, there is such a thing as you know putting in reps, just yep. like a keep busy kind of project. And this this seemed like that kind of thing for most of the people involved. Like it seemed like some people showed up and some people didn't. Like this was in that era where Matthew Broderick, I think, wasn't particularly interested in showing up all the time. Um, I think Bette Midler's in there and she always shows up, so of course she's gonna try. But um, this this is like cakewalk material for someone like Nicole Kidman. But yeah, I haven't heard good things about this movie, so it's not really a big deal to me. But yeah, um, moving right along, we have a uh, steelbook of a backdraft on 4K. Uh, this movie has come up a few times as Brad and I have had these catching up on Blu-ray conversations. Uh, you still haven't seen it, correct? No, I haven't. And yeah, this one's just the, the steelbook of the 4K. Yeah. I got to say, I do like the cover of this one better than the original uh, 4K. I, I do like that cover. Yeah, I, it's it's fine. Like, I, I quite like the, the original poster for Backdraft. It's just kind of like an, an anonymous, anonymous fire person uh, standing amid some flames. And actually, the, the real centerpiece from a visual standpoint of the poster is just all the names crammed onto yeah. it. Uh, because the cast for that movie is absolutely nuts. That was a big thing in like the early 90s was like Tombstone and Backdraft. Let's just cram, give everyone we got. Like, just everyone we got. Everybody in the pool. Um, I have a soft spot for Backdraft. Um, I know Ron Howard is kind of up and down in terms of his reputation as a director. Uh, these days, people seem to like to shit on him a lot. I think he's very capable. Um, but Backdraft is is massively melodramatic um, in a way that I think is overbearing to a lot of people. I find it very charming because it's just so over the top. Everything's heightened. It's so It's very similar to Tombstone in that way, actually. Like, everything's at 11 all the time, and it doesn't really ask you to take it that seriously. Um, but the real the real star of the show for Backdraft is the uh, practical fire effects, because this came out in 91, and you really had to blow shit up, and you really had to set people on fire. That was the only way you could do it. Uh, and it, it feels dangerous when it should. Uh, probably legit was. Um, and also the uh, kind of like a early masterpiece from uh, Hans Zimmer. I mean, I know he was active in the 80s and whatnot, but this was him kind of striking that right balance between an orchestral arrangement and the the heavy synthesizer vibe that he was using in, like, say, Rain Man or something. Um, His score for this movie is legendary. Uh, It's one of my favorites of his, honestly. Um, But, Brad, uh, ball is to you, sir. I've been talking out my ass for 
probably 10 minutes now. Uh, what, what jumps out at you next? Uh, no, man, you're good. Uh, I, I'll mention quick, I don't know anything really about the movie, uh, but the movie next to it, uh, But I'm a Cheerleader, um, which I remember had the worst poster. I don't know if you are familiar with the, uh, or at least the poster that was on previous releases. Made it look like a really crappy, like, direct-to-video, almost like a kid's film. When Actually, I've heard this is actually a really good film with, like, Natasha Lyonne, Clay Duvall, um, I think Michelle Williams might even be in it. And I've heard it's actually really good. Uh, this is the first time on Blu-ray, and it is a director's cut. Um, but I really don't know much about what the film is or what it's about. But I've heard it's uh, a little bit of an underrated gem. So, Yeah, I, I looked up the uh, original poster that you mentioned. Um, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, it's, kind of, it's totally nondescript. It really doesn't tell you much about what you're dealing with. Um, but if you look up any, like, promotional stills for the film it looks like there's quite a bit more to it um than you would expect from that poster especially yeah. with the choice of font jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty yeah. bad brad it's probably even worse than you thought but um yeah it looks it looks kind of interesting like it it uh almost makes me think of what was it uh was it beautiful creatures uh the it's the peter peter dixon film I, it's something oh, heavenly creatures anyway. heavenly creatures yeah. thank you uh, it kind of reminds me of that and maybe like Drop Dead Gorgeous or Jawbreaker yeah. or something. Um, yeah, looks like it could be a lot of fun. And it looks like it's a director's cut as well. So that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll mention quick while we just mentioned Frank Oz, uh, In and Out with Kevin Klein, another Frank Oz joint. Um, I never knew the, the plot of this one until I just looked it up. I don't know if you know what this is about. I actually really like this movie. Is it good? Is uh, it good? I quite enjoy it. I'm sure... Contemporary audiences might shit all over it. There could be a lot of problematic. That's what elements. I was questioning. That's when I read the plot. I was like, I'm surprised this is coming out. No, there could be a lot of problematic yeah. elements to to viewing this film in 2021. But in the 90s, when I saw it as a young person, I thought it was very funny. Yeah, I, and I've always liked Kevin Klein. Like he's one of those people that kind of slipped out of the mainstream, and uh, I think we're worse for it. But I forgot that Frank Oz had directed that. Yeah, one one of his hits uh, as opposed to uh, Stepford Wives. I mean, maybe not a big hit, but maybe a small hit from what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, Tom Selleck has a very good role in in and out. Oh yeah, uh, nice. yeah, he shows up and he is very well utilized. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, cool, um, cool. But in addition to that, on the same row uh, we have a two pack of the uh, Tomb Raider films, the first two, the Angelina Jolie ones on 4K. I'm not a big fan of either of those, even even in the early 2000s when I should have been all about them. No, sorry. Yeah. Um, but sandwiched in between that and in and out, we have a release that uh, normally wouldn't be on my radar, but I've caught a couple of like gifs and short clips of this on on the Twitter and whatnot, and that would be a uh, Jendi uh, Tartakovsky's Primal. Uh, so this is the first season of a cartoon series, uh, 2019 to 2020. And holy fucking shit, Brad, this looks pretty fucking metal. <laughs> like, I think I might actually like this. Apparently it's it's a, it's a nonverbal show, so there's no dialogue. It's just about the relationship and misadventures of a metal-as-fuck cave person and his metal dinosaur friend nice um and it just looks like them running around beating up neanderthals and and monkeys and stuff yeah and, and like it's gendy tartakovsky uh and when it comes to his action design and his storyboarding in particular like the way the way he choreographs his action in animation uh, is kind of like to use the word again seems to be the word of the day apparently uh, legendary 
Um, he's he's incredible uh, when it comes to action design and animation. Like Samurai Jack uh, was kind of that in the the original Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars cartoon. He kind of made his livings off of those. Um, but he's also worked on like huge Hollywood blockbusters as like just like a hired gun. Like if memory serves, I think um, they brought him in on Iron Man two uh, to like supplement uh, some of the choreography for some of the CGI sequences. Uh, because he just has that knack for that kind of shit. Um, but yeah, uh, totally out of left field. I was not expecting to give a shit about this. I totally would have glossed over it if I hadn't seen a clip like a few weeks back or something. Yeah. Hey, well, that's what I did. I glossed right over it. I went right to in and out <laughs> right to in and out <laughs> Well, hey, it's a good movie. Though, yeah. So you, yeah. you zeroed in on a good one. But um, moving on down, uh, looks like we have a, a Humper Dick Bandersnatch film. Uh, it'll be a... <laughs> <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, The Courier from 2020. This is a Lionsgate. Uh, it does not have a gun on the cover. I'm, I'm shocked. Their sales are going to plummet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know this one, Brad? Because it's not ringing a bell for me. I, I don't know much about it, but it's got uh, one of my favorite actresses working today, Jesse Buckley, in it. I just found that out by looking at the cover. So The Buckster. This might be a purchase <laughs> for me. I, I think it's a Cold War thriller from what I know. I don't really know much about it. Um, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch are not really moving any needles for me. Actually, probably moving the needle in the wrong direction. But uh, Jesse Buckley bringing that a needle right back, right back to where it should be. So I probably won't buy this, but it will be uh, definitely on my watch list. Well, yeah, this could be one that you can come back to when you're filling in the blanks in your Jesse Buckley collection. Yeah, there was another one a few weeks ago that we, I can't remember what it was, but we pointed it out, and I'm like, oh, she's in that, I gotta check it out, gotta check it out. <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing this weekend. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next up, uh, we have a package deal. Uh, these are all separate releases, but these are all released in the same fashion, so I may as well just cover them all in one swing here. Uh, so these are... What is it? Uh, Disney Movie Club exclusive discs. Yeah. Uh, Brad had explained this on the previous uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray episode, so uh, be a buddy and check that out, uh, dear listener, <laughs> instead of having me re-explain everything. But basically, this is just a uh, Disney exclusive like subscription club uh, that makes these discs uh, hard to come by uh, for us plebes. Um, <laughs> So uh, we have Vin Diesel in The Pacifier from 2005. We have Herbie Fully Loaded from 2005. Uh, we also have The Ice Princess, which is the only one of these I don't know uh, from 2005. But then we have one that I do know and I actually quite like, uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, Bruce Willis in The Kid from the year 2000 on the nose. Um, Brad, do any of these mean anything to you? Um, I have seen the pacifier, um, and I, I know of the kid, but I have not seen it. Um, so unfortunately this one does not mean much to me. Okay. So Lindsay Lohan and, uh, Herbie fully loaded doesn't float your boat. Yeah. That one never, uh, never much of a selling point on that one for me. Yeah. Even the original Herbie, the love bug wasn't really up my alley. Yeah. Like I, I mean, like any other American kid, I was raised on the Disney, but not that particular brand of the Disney. I was more 20,000 leagues under the sea and uh, sleeping beauty and, you know, also little mermaid and whatnot. But yeah. um, the kid, uh, I think it has a, a shit reputation. Like I think generally people don't like it, uh, but for whatever reason, I have mostly positive memories of it. Uh, it has a interesting and compelling narrative uh, it has a really annoying kid in the lead which is kind of kind of a problem when he's in like Yikes. every scene yeah um 
but it has Emily Mortimer uh, when she was young, which is always a selling point for me. Uh, you have your Jesse Buckley. I guess young Emily Mortimer works for me. There you but... go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would I would recommend checking this one out at some point. Uh, you might end up turning it off halfway through, and you can blame me for that. But, you know, not, not every movie I like is going to be one that you like. But um, moving on down, uh, we have The Blue Lamp from 1950. Uh, not known to me, but I kind of dig the color, uh, the cover art, uh, the yeah. color arrangement, and the composition is pretty cool. On that, uh, we have what appears to be Sally Field in uh, an Eye for an Eye, nineteen ninety six. Don't remember that particular thriller. Uh, we have Dennis Quaid in Switchback, uh, ninety seven. Also, shockingly enough, not known to me. Uh, that's that's bizarre. I lived through I lived through that decade's worth of thrillers. Normally, normally I at least have like a trailer embedded in my brain or something. Yeah, um, might tell you something about the quality then. Just uh, I don't want to assume, but yeah, I, I would go with, I would go with my gut on that and say that there's a reason Trevor hasn't heard of that one. <laughs> but um, we also have an RLJ Entertainment disc, uh, spare parts from 2020. Uh, I saw a trailer and read a review for this a few weeks back. Um, this this looks like the kind of schlock that's just like a notch below the quality standard that I need it to be for me to like truly enjoy it. Um, it looked kind of fun. It's like a lady fight club, except uh, it's made up of like uh, imagine Rose McGowan in uh, Planet Terror. Oh yeah, um, like lady amputees, but the the instruments that have replaced their appendages are weapons and stuff could be fun yeah it has like a post-apocalyptic like fight club kind of vibe to it uh obviously they, they dialed up the neon lighting up to 11 uh, that's how that's how things are done in the low budget world um it looks fun but like i said in terms of like budget and production design and just like overall quality it's just a notch below where i'd prefer it to be so i i'm gonna be skipping that but it did sound like fun it looked like it was fun probably to make um i'm gonna pass the baton to you brad what's up to you next well let me mention a little film here uh, i haven't seen it but it's been on my radar for a while and this is a uh, better luck tomorrow um the reason this one is significant directed by justin lynn oh. who just controls hollywood nowadays this guy kind of is responsible for pretty much revitalizing the whole Fast and Furious franchise. I think he did Tokyo Drift. I think he did four, five, six, maybe. Like, he did, you know, he kind of was when it really started to take off. That was him. Uh, and I've never seen it. I've, I've heard good things about it. I think it's about teenagers who sort of uh, turn to crime. Um, so a bit, of a, a bit of a drama there. And I'm sure that there's some comedic elements as well. But, uh, yeah, I've been curious to see it. And it is first time on Blu-ray. Uh this is another Paramount title. I mean, Paramount is just the floodgates have opened. It, it, it's honestly startling when you realize like how much stuff they've just been like keeping back that has not been out on Blu-ray. Um, and this is one of them. Wow. Yeah. Like I, I hadn't put that together until you mentioned it. But yeah, it's like a lot of these are debuting on the format when it's like, really? I, I thought I just assumed that that came out at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, now that you mentioned the title, uh, and the director, more importantly, uh, I do remember the buzz surrounding better luck tomorrow. I, he I heard it was quite good. It's a Asian American drama. Uh, Sung Kang is in there, uh, oh, who is okay. of course in many of the fast and furious films yeah, directed yeah. by Justin Lin. Um, and if memory serves, I think Justin Lin is actually back in the director's chair for uh, fast nine. Did he do uh, this one? I think so. I could be wrong on that, but, um, 
this is an earlier work of his could be worth checking out i it i feel like it would be really good like i heard mostly good things about it yeah but um moving right along uh we have another uh Lionsgate release uh endangered species uh this one is not going to get a rental or a purchase from me because it doesn't feature any guns on the cover um and not too long ago we had an african safari adventure featuring megan fox uh carrying an assault rifle into battle against lions um so now you're selling me a lesser lion film is what you're trying to do Lionsgate. Yeah, how dare you yeah <laughs> but this one does have jerry o'connell in it so i mean oh shit it's got jerry o'connell i mean that is a selling point that honestly. is that is <laughs> i still get a kick out of him being the, the chubby kid from a stand by me right like, yeah 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 uh, he did that so well as a chubby little guy and then he you know got jacked and handsome and started playing those kinds of roles and uh, he's always been affable. Like he, he's always been a very likable personality on film. So I, I'll show up for Jerry. O'Connor. Yeah, I mean, there's no surprise that they tapped him to fill in for the Wendy Williams show while she was off. He guest hosted. I mean, no surprise. The guy is very, very likable. I mean, to quote Seinfeld, how could anyone not like him? Yeah, <laughs> like, honestly, it's Jerry O'Connell. You just smile when he walks into the room. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have another drama that is not known to me from the '90s: Flesh and Bone. Uh, also with Dennis Quaid, so I guess the mid to late 90s were not especially great for Dennis Quaid. Uh, it also has James Caan, though. He's always fun, always intense. Uh, and Meg Ryan from 1993. Uh, speaking of Gendy Tartakovsky, we also have Samurai Jack, the complete collection, 20, 2001 to 2017. Jesus, fuck. I had no idea it went on that long. Uh, and then we have a movie that... I could be misremembering, but I seem to remember, I think it was Kyle or my brother telling me it's actually not as bad as it looked, because the marketing was shit, but uh, Alpha Dog. Yeah, pretty uh, big cast. Pretty big cast. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember just kind of rolling my eyes at it when, when the trailers were coming out and stuff, but from what I've been told, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, it's not half bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen it, Brad? No, I, I haven't seen it. I do kind of remember when it came out. Um Mostly, I maybe maybe I'm thinking of another movie, but I feel like that font and like the color scheme on the cover that is uh, stuck in my memory. Which it definitely could have been another film, I guess. Maybe I'm thinking of, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a little curious about it. It's with, just with the cast and a little bit of the like the tagline: "One crime, thirty-eight witnesses, no way back." Sounds like could be something I'd be into. Yeah, like like I said, I, I heard it wasn't half bad, although I, I don't know if this is a rearranged cover art, but the way it is right now, it, it feels like it so badly wants to be a David Ayer film. Yeah. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> uh, but that's just me. Definitely but, um, some, uh, maybe I'm getting confused with Southland Tales as well. Definitely some Southland Tales vibes on that cover. Yeah, the font, I want to say, has some similarities yeah. to it. Yeah, palm trees as well, but um, we also have Who Done It? from 1956 and the green man also from 1956 featuring i believe kyle's favorite uh uh scrooge uh that would be alistair sim um and then we have some anime releases uh so folks at home if you're not aware uh there's a lot of anime that comes out from week to week uh in the blu-ray world and unfortunately brad and i aren't exactly we don't exactly have our finger to the pulse when it comes to knowing what's good and what's not so uh, we will talk about any releases uh, that are prominent that we know of, um, but for the most part, like if we end up skipping over your very favorite anime of all time, uh, apologies up front. Uh, it's just because we didn't know it, it was a good one. Um, 
So next up we have <laughs> what appears to be Larry David in The Love Butcher from 1975. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, Brad. Tell me I'm wrong. It does look a lot like Larry David. Yeah, it does. <laughs> bump, bump, bump. <laughs> the Love Butcher. Yeah, maybe they're going after that. Maybe that's what they're trying to cash in on a little bit of the Curb Your Enthusiasm crowd. Yeah, yeah. That seems like it would have crossover appeal for something from the 70s called The Love Butcher. <laughs> uh, beside that, though, we have Stephen Dorff in Embattled from 2020. And... Uh, this calls back to a joke which is very outdated, being as my relationship to the sport has, has changed in the past few decades. But um, I used to joke that MMA was a competition to see who hated their father more. <laughs> um, and that is indeed the plot of this film. It's ah. about a father, Stephen Dorff, that would be, um, that would be uh, Frost from uh, Blade uh, as a like middle-aged uh, mixed martial artist. Uh, and his son, who he has beef with, and uh, Mary mishaps ensue, and of course the big fight at the end is, uh, unlike Warrior, which is a final battle between brothers, uh, this is a final battle uh, in a professional mixed martial arts contest between father and son. Oh. Yeah, yes. so, ooh, melodrama. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw a trailer for this a while back. In fact, I thought it came out a while back, so maybe uh, maybe they double-dipped the release or something. Uh, who knows? But this didn't look particularly good, um, I just thought the premise was really goofy. <laughs> um, we also have something called The Vault from 2020, which appears to be some sort of young adult uh, something or other. I'm just going to read the description because the cover art is compelling, but I'm not sure if it's in a good way or not. So uh, The Vault from 2020, a genius engineering graduate interest is peaked what <laughs> by the bank of spain whose safe has no blueprints and whose security system includes an underground river that floods the safe room if breached learning that a legendary lost treasure will be deposited in the bank's safe for just 10 days he masterminds a meticulous plan along with a charismatic art dealer to break into the bank so now you see me meets a uh, man on a ledge in spain fuck off with that yeah. <laughs> paramount really has to uh, uh proofread those uh synopses too yeah you saw that that yeah. wasn't me <laughs> i didn't trip over my no, words that was not you <laughs> uh we also have boogie from 2021 um i uh, let me see oh and holy shit uh so he's not on the cover and he might not he might be just someone with the same name but mike mo is listed in the credits uh, so you have me hyped already. Uh, so M Mike Moe, Brad, if you're not aware, uh, was the fellow that portrayed Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood. Yes, that's, the, that's how I know him, yep. And uh, also he played Ryu in uh, the Street Fighter Assassin's Fist uh, online series. I've brought that up so many times on this fucking show. But uh, I don't know anything about this boogie film, uh, but it does look somewhat compelling. I'll give it that much. Um, and I think that's about it for me this week brad did you have any other releases you wanted to point out i mean just uh i'll mention i don't know anything about it but the world to come has a pretty you know decent cast uh katherine waterston vanessa kirby christopher abbott and casey affleck but i have literally heard nothing about this movie so um i don't know could be maybe the casey affleck thing could have gotten buried i don't know but uh definitely uh surprised i didn't hear any sort of conversations around this one oscar season time but whatever yeah, the Casey Affleck theory sounds pretty solid, yeah. if you ask me, because yeah. um, that is a fairly 
prominent cast but yeah i haven't even heard this name mentioned before uh before we move on though i will point out that there is a 2021 picture coming out by the name of trigger point headlined by one barry pepper um (laughs) i don't know what that means if anything to anyone uh but i just felt it was worth pointing out uh barry pepper from uh battlefield earth and uh i think he does all the narration for all the uh ufc documentaries and stuff oh okay well there you go he's got yeah a great he name. found his he found his calling um yeah so let's bop on down to the next calendar week this would be june 8th and uh brad i'll give you the honor of introducing the titles uh for june 8th what, well, what jumps out at you first i mean you got to mention the indiana jones four movie collection which is probably the biggest release of the week there oh yeah by far which uh, I have not gotten. I've heard, I don't know if this has changed, but when it first came out, there was some uh, some funky stuff going on with the release. Like, it was hard to find, and it was, like, delayed a week in Canada. Um, so I don't know if that's been straightened out or not, but I remember at first people were uh, people were losing it. They were losing it. Well, I mean, as they should. Like, like it's it's Indiana Jones, and it's on 4K. It's like, this is one of those things that you, you can't fuck it up. Because, like, even casual people care yeah like this isn't just for the hard hardcore collecting audience this is for general consumption um so it's kind of like handling like a kubrick release or something it's like if you're gonna put this shit out on 4k you you gotta get it right man yeah this is something that will get bought like as opposed to most of the stuff we talk about here where like hardly anybody buys it um other than like hardcore collectors uh this will get bought by casual consumers who want to show off their home entertainment system Unlike Trigger Point, starring Barry Pepper from exactly. 2021, exactly. people will buy the Indiana Jones 4 movie yeah. collection. <laughs> um, this is a, unfortunately a case where I don't know that I'll be upgrading. Uh, I do already have all four of these movies on Blu-ray. Uh, and I would imagine there is a leap in quality, although it sounds like maybe they didn't nail it with the first printing. Um, but even so, it's like, mm, I'm not exactly ready to... to spend the money on four movies that i already know and honestly already have like burned into my memory yeah um so i i love these movies absolutely adore indiana jones um there was a point in my childhood where like everybody was still talking about star wars and i was still kind of hung up on indiana jones um and i remember just being very very attached to raiders in particular um <laughs> kingdom of the crystal skull on the on the other hand uh that's one of those movies i like i really i really like to pretend it just didn't happen uh because it it's one of those unfortunate sequels where it actually legitimately does anger me a little bit not not every like many years after the fact sequel does that like i i i, I forgive and i forget pretty easily but Indiana Jones was special to me, and that one actually felt like they did a disservice to the franchise by by adding it. And now we have a fucking fifth one coming. Yeah. Well, did you see he just got injured on set? So uh, did I not call that shit yeah. like months ago, Brad? Yeah. <laughs> like I said it like half in jest, but I kind of knew in the back of my mind that that man injured himself walking down a ramp. Yeah. Did not take long. It did not take long either. You're going to kill him, man. <laughs> At least let him die with dignity. Jesus. I think he I don't think he cares, man. I think he's like he's just like if I die, I die. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, he's he's had a great run. <laughs> it oh, seems yeah. like he he enjoys his life, you know, when he's not on camera. So like seems like he's just doing it kind of out of obligation. Um but yeah, I I 
don't know what to feel about that fifth one. I mean, James Mangold is a very talented director. They did they did actually get someone good to do it, but you know, I I, I don't need it. Like I I was fine with just those three absolutely incredible films. Yeah. I, I don't need two more tacked on that just don't get it right because that that fourth one is just everything is wrong about it like like it's it even makes me sick to look at like it's hideous to look at at times yeah so it's so unfortunate um but enough of me about that uh we have some kind of wonderful from 1987 this is a steel book uh do you know if this is debuting on the format? I think it came out earlier this year because I know uh, Pretty in Pink has a steelbook coming out this week as well. And I think they both uh, came out for the first time earlier this year. And it's just funny because especially with Pretty in Pink because that one has a you know pretty big reputation. Just again with Paramount, they don't put it out for years. I mean, we're this late into the life cycle of Blu-ray and they're just now putting out Pretty in Pink. And then within two or three months of them putting it out, now it already has a steelbook. It's like... We went from nothing to now, like, multiple releases of the same movie. Like, just, they're whacked. What? How wacky is that? Yeah, there must be something going on at their, like, accounting office or something. Because I know Paramount Plus has probably been underperforming. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they're looking for alternative revenue streams or something. I mean, my I this wasn't my theory. I heard some people theorizing this. But the reason they've started this Paramount Presents line, which these aren't part of, but they started that. They're releasing even more stuff outside that. Um, is because the lack of theatrical releases, they needed some sort of uh, income. They needed some way, some way to supplement it. So they said, well, we've got this huge backlog of movies that have never been released on Blu-ray. I mean, we might not sell a ton of them, but we might as well put them out and uh, we'll make some change. Yeah, production cost is probably negligible for them. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's just an attempt to recoup their losses, um, being as I, I want to say both Top Gun and Mission Possible uh, were, were Paramount Productions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's two very large productions that still, uh, and it, it remains to be seen when they will be coming out. So, yeah. uh, fingers crossed, because I'm actually really hyped for both of them, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and beside that, we have a 4K release of Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. Uh, I believe this is the extended cut of it. Uh, I, for whatever reason, already own a, a DVD and a Blu-ray of this. Uh, I didn't buy the DVD. It's like some super-duper special edition that like a college roommate just like gave me because they were moving out. And I was like, oh, sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, this movie is just pure fan service. Um, it, it means abs- it is incoherent and it would mean absolutely nothing to anyone who hasn't played the video game associated with it um but at the time from a visual standpoint the cgi animation was pretty incredible uh, as was the character design work and whatnot Uh, i don't think it's held up honestly uh the the storytelling in particular is is busted this this is like one of those anime that you walk into and you're just like oh i had to like read tomes of of lore to to actually have any clue of what's going on in this so the movie gives zero fucks about anyone who who shows up late to the party um and yeah i want to say the the visual wow factor of it is heavily diminished so this is a curious release although not so much being as uh the the final fantasy 7 remake uh, game uh came out i think last year and uh the dlc for it recently came out so this is probably meant to cash in on that gotcha um, we have Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Pretty in Pink, both in steelbook form, both uh, celebrating 35-year anniversaries, apparently. 
Uh, so those are, you can also pair up with your uh, some kind of wonderful. Uh, and we have our first Criterion release for the month, and that would come in the form of a, uh, I believe it's a trio of Japanese releases, The Human Condition. Uh, these are directed by Masaki Kobayashi, uh, who I'm just going to take a look at their filmography because off the top of my head, the name does not ring a bell. Oh, uh, they directed the original Harakiri from 1962. Oh, okay. So I, I can attest to their ability as a director, uh, which would make sense, being as we have a saying here on Catching Up on Cinema, if it's part of the Criterion Collection, it's probably worth your time. Uh, I'm not sure if I would be buying these outright, but uh, like I said, probably worth your time. I think they're like also- really long films too. At least the first one's like over three hours. So uh, they're, they're epic. They're probably pretty, uh, I, I would guess they're maybe a little dour. Um, and pretty heavy, but uh, I, I do like the cover, and uh, yeah, I'm sure they're I'm sure they're very good. Yeah, it's a big ask in terms of your time commitment, yeah. but uh, as we tend to say, it's probably worth your time. Uh, we have Ken Burns's baseball collection. Uh, he seems to be having a lot of hits in these past couple of months in terms of releases. Uh, so this would be from 1994 to 2010. Uh, and then who put out this disc? Uh, Arbelos, uh, son of the White Mare. Um, let me take a look at this. Uh, I don't know Arbelos. Do you? I was going to say, I might be embarrassed because I've never heard of them either. This is uh, this is all news to me. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at their release catalog, and it looks like they're pretty young uh, when it comes to their, their lifespan as a uh, distributor. But they put out a Dennis Hopper movie called The Last Movie. Uh, and then I remember this one oh, yeah. uh, on the calendar from a while back, Satan Tango. 1994 so uh they only have like a dozen different releases so they're they're very young in the blu-ray game but uh this appears to be an animated film uh i don't i don't know if it's foreign um some of the names associated with it would suggest that but uh some of the imagery from this is pretty stunning might be worth a look yeah um i'm just i'm checking out arbelos now because i mean if they're if they're that young you could collect all of their releases and have a complete oh no what have you done arbelos come on now come on no i just uh it looks like it says arbelos is a los angeles based film distribution and restoration label releasing canon expanding art house cinema okay so art house yeah definitely Uh, their website going after a criterion feel you can you can tell they're kind of going after that crowd Okay then, uh, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on them in the future because it seems like they they put out some interesting stuff at the very yeah. least. Um, beside that, we have a release of Finding Forrester from the year two thousand, which uh, you folks at home probably know best for being the originator of the "You're the Man Now, Dog" uh, meme, the original meme. Uh, as far like maybe aside from like the dancing baby or something along those lines, but. Um, there was a Crooked Man from 1970, and then uh, City of Lies from 2018. Who directed this? Brad Furman. Not known to me, but uh, I heard some chat about this movie the other day. Uh, it sounded kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and Kyle and I have often had a discussion that we, we kick we kick up every once in a while. It's like Johnny Depp, like late stage Johnny Depp. Like, does he still have something in him? And so we're always trying to pinpoint, like, when when he completely fell off. But then there's this movie that I think I heard he's pretty good in. And uh, as far as I remember, it had a a troubled release. Uh, Okay. Not so much production, but apparently it struggled to find a release date or something. And eventually, I guess it just went straight to Blu-ray. If memory serves, it was filmed 
a, like a while before the release. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard it's actually surprisingly good despite it being, you know, relegated to the direct-to-video crowd. Yeah, I mean, I do like watching Johnny Depp. I mean, we won't get into all that drama. Who knows what's going on there? But I do think he is uh, always compelling on screen. And uh, I don't know. I, I feel like he will have a comeback. I, I, I do feel like he will have a comeback because it seems like there are a lot of people who want him to have a comeback from what I can tell. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, say what you will about the guy as a person. I agree with you as a performer. He he tends to show up whenever he's asked to, unless it's, you know, that latest Pirates movie where it's... Yeah, well, <laughs> that, really... that doesn't really count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had some shit going on, but... No, when, when he cares about a production, he, he shows up, and he's more often better than, than not. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we will see him have a little upswing yeah. uh, as time rolls on. But uh, we have a Lionsgate release of something called Flashback, which is uh, headlined by Dylan O'Brien. Therefore, my interest level just, like, plummets off of a fucking cliff uh, hang on let me just double check make sure jesse buckley isn't in this uh she probably is brad uh, not listed <laughs> on the cover not listed. if she's not on the cover not interested if they're not giving her her due not interested okay well let me let me read them off to you just in case because i i don't know who your people are brad i, I know some of your people i don't know all of your people so we have dylan o'brien who as i previously disclosed just he's He's just a, a turd in my Cheerios. Like, yeah. as soon as soon as that name is on a cover, I just I have to walk away. I mean, for fuck's sake, American Assassin still holds the distinction of being one of the most embarrassing films in my collection. Yeah, um, Micah Monroe. Oh, I like Hannah? her. Well, there you go. It, it only <laughs> took one name, Brad, and we found one of your people. Well, not, not enough to sell it. Not enough to sell it. But uh, no, she was the girl from um, It Follows and The Guest, which I, I like both of those films quite a bit. Um, I still need to see both of those. Films. Oh, yeah. I actually, I'm actually really excited to see both of those in particular. Uh, it Follows. Yeah. Uh, but The Guest also. Um, I've heard very good things. But uh, Hannah Gross. Uh, yeah, she was on Mindhunter. Yeah. Uh, not moving See, a needle. You, you know all these people. <laughs> not, not, not moving any needles on that one. But Kier okay. uh, Gilchrist. That's that. That one's foreign to me. I don't know that uh, one. Amanda Bruegel. Nah, we're 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 hitting the bottom of the barrel here. Uh, yeah, Emery Cohen is the last one. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we did we did find one thing for you to like in there though. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could could <laughs> do worse. You could do worse. <laughs> um, and now we have one that I'm actually uh kind of excited about and I'm, I'm curious to hear if you know of this one uh so this would be an arrow release our first arrow for the month of june 2021 uh this would be the stylist uh it fe- oh it includes a cd in addition to the blu-ray so i'm guessing it's a soundtrack Ooh. um and this is listed as a 2021 release and it's 105 minutes long and the reason why i draw attention to that is because this film i know originated as a short film uh, and was a, apparently later adapted to feature length. Um, I was, I don't know why, but like I was really compelled to see the short film of this uh, several years ago, like 2016, 2017 or something. And I just never did. Okay. Um, but I actually had like an article on it on, I think it was a Twitch film at the time, uh, bookmarked for ages. And I was, for some reason, I really wanted to see that and I just never did. Um, and apparently this film has had a, a rocky road getting to blu-ray or theaters or what have you 
uh, now we have a feature length version of it. Um, do you know this one at all, Brad? I really only know it because of uh, it being released by Arrow. I remember thinking it was a, a strange choice when, because you know they don't release that many like new release movies. So whenever they do, it's it's always kind of interesting, and you kind of perk up a little bit. Um, I might have watched a trailer for it. Uh, it. It did seem kind of interesting, and I do like the cover. Um, I do like that art style. So it was something I was maybe a little interested in. Um, I do believe Arrow has their own streaming service, which uh, I'm assuming this would probably be on there. Um, can't see myself blind buying it, but I would be curious to watch it if I hear good things, like if you checked it out and recommended it. Yeah, I, I actually haven't seen it, so I can't confirm like if it's any good or not. But uh, for whatever reason, this movie's been on my radar for like years. Um, so yeah, I think I'd be doing a disservice to myself if I totally skipped it. Um, but beside that, we have a release of a Chinese film, uh, Center Stage, starring Maggie Chung. And uh, it's directed by Stanley Kwan. I know this movie to be very compelling from a visual standpoint. Uh, beyond that, though, I don't really know a whole lot about it. Uh, we also have Le Magnifique from 1973, uh, starring Jean-Paul Ben Belmondo. Uh, we also have Puzzle, 1974, The Howl of the Devil from 1988, which looks like smut. Um, yeah, directed by Paul Nashi. Um, I think this had been out previously, so this might just be a... Yeah, this is just a standard edition. Um, but yeah, released by uh, Mondo Macabro. Yeah, I recognize the art. Yeah, uh, I want to say this artist is like a go-to for them, maybe. Yeah, because uh, yeah, this this particular art style looks very familiar. Um, we also have Lover of the Monster from 1974. It looks like it's headlined by one Klaus Kinski, uh, who Kyle has told me about his reputation. Uh, it sounds he sounds like a terror on the set. Uh, very strange fella, very intense. But um, and then we have a movie that uh, the font and the color scheme look. Look like maybe the Stranger Things people could take them to court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have The Unhealer, which is a Shout Factory disc. And oh no, Lance Henriksen. Oh no, Natasha Henstridge. Oh no, Adam Beach. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like Adam Beach in particular hurts. Like Lance Henriksen, he's been doing direct to video schlock for ages now. But yeah. Adam Beach, you're, you're better than that, Mr. Beach. <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah, uh, you gotta wonder the guy who made that movie. Like, I maybe it is a very much a Stranger Things knockoff. Who knows? But if if you put your time and effort into a movie, and they just like slap the Stranger Things everything on the cover, I'd be pissed. I'd be real pissed because I I'm just writing off this movie 100. percent It looks like garbage based on that cover. Yeah, it's it's combination of the lighting and the font, even the pillars of light. They're they're doing a Star Wars thing. E- even like the could... the main the kid looks like uh, it's got like an eleven vibe going on. The girl mm-hmm. from the show, like just gross, gross. Yeah, yeah, it it's a big turnoff for sure. Um, not something that you would see in a video store and, and want to rent. This, yeah, like in terms of Lance Henriksen, like video covers, this is not man's best friend. No. <laughs> Uh, if you know what the cover for that looks like, Brad. <laughs> I think I've seen it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a classic case of a movie that was sold on its cover. <laughs> um, I, I certainly ended up renting it at some point. <laughs> um, we have Cartouche from 1962, also a Jean-Paul Belmondo release. Um, then we have something called Like Father, Like Son from 1987. Oh fuck, Kirk Cameron and Dudley Moore. Uh, 
one of those things is tolerable the other is <laughs> sadly not um yeah. we have some schlock in the form of hunting ground uh is this one known to you brad uh, i believe it's another mondo macabro uh title uh don't know anything about it but uh i need to you know, I, I just keep dipping in my toes into, like, these different labels, and, you know, it seems like every few months I'm like, I got to buy something from that label, and uh, I end up buying stuff from them and loving it, and uh, this could be the next one. This this could be next. I don't own any Mondo Macabro titles. Yeah, neither do I, but uh, I'm starting to rec- I'm starting to be able to recognize their cover just based on the art and just the vibe. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, you know, in terms of, like, establishing a brand for yourself, it looks like they're ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, and then we have something that has a pretty compelling cover. Uh, I like th- I like the way it's set up here. Uh, Night Feeder, uh, which is an SRS Cinema exclusive. Mm. Uh, uh, do these fellas looks like um, looks like they're also a schlock distributor? Yeah, they're a real schlock, from what I understand. Like really, like we're talking. You got to be hardcore into these like low budget garbage films to like the stuff they put out. From what I understand. Yeah, I'm getting that vibe in perusing their releases. Uh, although it does appear that they obtained the the rights to a couple of uh, Japanese daikaiju films, okay. uh, Reigo and Raiga, which uh, are not good from what I've heard, but they're charming if if you're into you know the the rubber suited monster kind of thing. But yeah, beyond that, it looks like you have you kind of have to know who you are uh, yeah, in order and to be. I, I want to say into that. No judgment. Like I mean, I li- I like. Uh schlock i like garbage like especially garbage horror i love that um this one this might even be a bit too far for me so i'm saying that like just for me like i'm not quite there yet um but you know just there's nothing wrong with that it's everybody it's it's everybody's got that taste some people some people like that some people the trashier the better well i i mean we we like movie collectors we we all tend to have some taste for schlock but like i said in reference to one of the previous titles we were talking about today like there's a certain quality standard that i need i need it to be at where it's like anything below that the only way i'm going to be able to enjoy this is if i'm with like my buds like half paying attention to it and like eating pizza or something yeah um, but like for a solo watching experience, no, I, I I have much better things to do with my time. I'm sorry. Like I think they're coming out with a pair of uh, killer clown movies. That uh, <laughs> a pair. <laughs> I think unless I'm thinking, maybe I'm getting this label confused with somebody else. Oh yeah, yeah. There's uh, Beware of the Clowns and Chicken's Blood, which uh, I believe are both uh, killer clown. Those might be out already. I don't even know. But um, yeah, just uh, you know, you got. Which they all have a time and a place. Like uh, some days I am in the mood for something at that level. Um, You know, you have some friends over and you do want to watch a killer clown movie. So, I mean, yeah, that's generally how schlock gets viewed in my household anyway. Yeah, It's like, hey, guys, you want to watch some shit? It's like, "Eh, whatever. (laughs) Okay. Um, Beside that, we have a Code Red release of Scream 1981. Uh, Code Red is another schlock distributor, but uh, in terms of their quality of offerings, uh, they they fit into that niche category where it's like, this is acceptable schlock. This is stuff that I could see myself spending some money on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, beside that we have, I believe this was... Correct me if I'm wrong, Brad. Was this released on Netflix initially? Yeah, well, it was originally, I don't know if it was Sony or who it was, but it was uh, picked up by Netflix because of uh, the pandemic. Param- it was a Paramount, I guess. Um, but Netflix did pick it up and release it on the service. 
And uh, the, the Lovebirds, speaking of schlock, avoid at all costs. This movie was garbage. This was so unfunny. It was horrendous. This was one of the worst movies I saw last year, honestly. So offensively inoffensive in terms of just like no laughs, no thrills, just nothing. It was bad. Real bad. Wow. Real uh, bad. What, what'd you give it on the letterbox? Probably like a two, but I probably should have gone like, I, I probably should have gone lower. That's a generous <laughs> two. I was about to say, that doesn't sound like a two to me, yeah. but um, yeah. wow, that, that sounds absolutely horrendous. Um, yeah. Hopefully the girlfriend doesn't ask me to watch it because would you call would you classify this as a uh, rom com? Yeah, definitely a rom com. Yeah, they're on like it's very similar to uh, like the Steve Carell Tina Fey movie Date Night. Like they're having relationship issues and they get mixed up in like a, a murder and they're on the run and it's not good. Like I like the two of them, uh, Kumail Nanjiani and Issa Rae, but sorry guys, you've done better work than this. Like, oof, yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Well, I haven't heard it brought up uh, in the past year or so, so I, I think I think I may have slipped by. Yeah. So keep your girlfriend away. Keep her away. <laughs> I mean, she does watch pretty much all the rom coms, but oh um, yeah, oh like I said, this one hasn't been mentioned, so she probably knows better than to rope me into it. Yeah. Um, we have a, a keynote release beside that uh, of the woman one longs for from 1929. Uh, we also have a Michael Mann two-pack. Uh, this is a little bit random. Uh, Miami Vice and The Kingdom. Or, no, The Kingdom. Was that Michael Mann? No. I don't think it was. Um, that's, yeah. uh, oh, who is it? Oh, jeez. I'm looking it up now. Um, Peter Berg. Yeah, my boy. That's my boy. That's right. That's right. My boy. I knew it was one of my boys. I couldn't remember which one. <laughs> my boy. My girl. My boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, I guess the commonality here is uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, there's a movie that I've been watching the behind the scenes material for like almost every day because apparently that's how they're deciding to promote the movie on the cheap. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this, Brad, but I can't remember the title. But it's a uh, it stars Jamie Fox, uh, Snoop Dogg, and Scott Adkins. Oh, I have not heard of this. And it's about the three of them fighting vampires. That sounds fun. And it's directed by J.J. Perry, uh, who was one of one of the early martial arts choreographers and stunt coordinators that really helped propel Scott Adkins to like direct to video fame. Okay. Um, I, I I've been following J.J. Perry's uh, Instagram, and he's he and Jamie Foxx have been posting clips of it like pretty much every day for the past several months. And it's like, oh my god, like this movie sounds completely stupid, but I really want to see. Yeah. Yeah. It. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Jamie Foxx, I know he has that Mike Tyson movie that's, you know, probably in post-production right now or something. Um, and then he has <laughs> some vampire movie with Scott Adkins. So apparently he's keeping busy. I don't, I don't understand the timing of, of this particular two pack, but maybe Jamie Foxx has something other going on that I'm not aware well, of. Well, he did have a Netflix show that just got canceled. So maybe they were banking on the show taking off and being a big hit. Um, oh Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, but moving right along, uh, we also have uh, Zeroville from 2019. Is that a bald James Franco? Yeah, I think he directed this one. Um, so this is another one that kind of got buried um, because of reasons. Because of James Franco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so pro- it's a problematic month. A lot of problematic releases this month. Yeah, curious. Yeah. Um, and beside that, we have another uh, Hayah release of uh, Undercover Punch and Gun, which unfortunately I already have the Hong Kong Blu-ray of, 
I, I got it like, I don't know, six, eight months ago or so. It's not very good. Um, it's kind of unfortunate because it has talented people in it. Um, it has uh, Andy Own, who's he's like he's kind of like your go-to. Like if you don't have like a like a, a huge martial arts star to headline your movie, he'll he'll do the job just fine. Like he's like he's kind of like Chinese God Atkins, where it's like he's in decently budgeted martial arts movies, but not like the the big time prestige movies. And, yeah. and if he does find his way into those prestige movies. It's usually just to be a guy who falls down or something. Uh, he's very, very talented. He just, I don't know, he n- never really rose to stardom in the way that I think his, his look and his his talent supported. Um, but it's actually headlined by a fellow who I actually don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's uh, uh, Philip and then NG. <laughs> um, the two of them have worked together on several films previous. Um, and it's it's kind of like a, a schlocky almost like it feels like a 90s buddy cop movie or something and in fact a lot of the cinematography reminds me of like the first bad boys mm. so it it's fun but it, it and it's melodramatic in that like charming hong kong kind of style um but in terms of like delivering the action goods it never quite reaches that place that you'd really hope it would um so it's it's unfortunate that it has really talented people in it just it just doesn't quite get there um but I'm gonna kick it over to you, Brad. What do you got next? I'll just real quick mention because uh, I'm. This must be a re-release. E uh, tu mama tambien uh, on Criterion. I own this release, so this must just be a re-release. But an amazing movie, Alfonso Cuarón. Um, one of his early films. Highly recommend it. Um, we've got something called Devil Dog: The Hound of Hell, uh, starring Richard Crenna, which uh, does have a very fun looking cover i mean this movie just this knows exactly what it is it seems like um and i don't know are you do you have anything to say on assault on va 33 uh yeah actually i do yeah um surprisingly enough uh so this is headlined by sean patrick flannery and apparently has mark DeCoscos uh in a small role who i've brought up before uh on the show previously um most folks that aren't up on their martial arts cinema would probably know him as the uh, chairman from the American Iron Chef television series. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The only thing I really have to say about this is that it's headlined by Sean Patrick Flannery, and it's apparently like Assault on Precinct 13, but at a VA posting. Um, I think a big reason why this movie was made is that Sean Patrick Flannery is passionate about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And I think he's just looking for excuses to do it on film now. Uh, being as his career's kind of adrift at the moment. Yeah. But that's about it. <laughs> well, there you go, man. Uh, I got, The last thing I'll mention, going down another row, uh, we've got Jaws of the Shark, which is another SRS cinema uh, release, which, I mean, you got to say, for these schlocky movies, they're giving um, some uh, some pretty nice artwork that kind of highlights the ridiculousness. <laughs> like, the, the artwork is a little better, I think, than the film deserves. Um, at least it looks like that's kind of incredible, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's, that's all I got to point out this week. I think. Yeah. I, I think that's about it for me to, um, I will point out that we have one more criterion release, uh, investigation of a citizen above suspicion. Uh, this appears to be a foreign film. If I had to guess just based on the names, uh, Italian, but I could be totally wrong there, but again, Criterion, probably worth your time. And then also we have 
I don't know how many times this movie has been released. Yet another release of 21 Bridges. <laughs> Just because. Yeah. Uh, so let's bop on down to the next week. So we have June 15th. And right out the gate, we have a big one for me that I actually don't own yet. Uh, that would be Godzilla vs. Kong on 4K and Blu-ray and in Steelbook. Uh, we did a whole big, long conversation about this for Catching Up on Cinema. So if you want to know my opinion on it, maybe be a buddy and check that out. Um, Brad, I know you did a review for this as well, correct? Yeah, I was. Uh, it was fun. It was not amazing. Uh, I don't have much uh, interest in rewatching it right away. Like, this is... This is a prime Black Friday purchase. Like, this is Black Friday written all over it for me. Yeah, I, I watched it multiple times, like, in the span of a week for the purposes of doing that review. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a little worn out at the, at the moment. So I'll get to it when I get to it. But um, I will pick it up for my collection. But, yeah, uh, In the Line of Fire on 4K from 1993. Uh, this is, of course, headlined by Clint Eastwood. Uh, and also features John Malkovich and Rene Russo and Dylan McDermott, not Dermot Mulrooney. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe Tobin Bell's in here as well. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Uh, he, this is him just, you know, playing anonymous heavy as he tended to do in the 90s. Like, yeah. I seem to remember he was also in the firm in a similar role, just like anonymous, weird looking, tough guy. Um, I remember this movie being a lot of fun. Uh, it was it was a pretty high profile action thriller for its day. Um, this is very much a dad movie. If I had to, <laughs> if I had to assume anything, yeah. Um, I'm not about to be picking this up, um, but actually, it's got me kind of thinking. I, you know, I wouldn't mind rewatching that particular flavor of of '90s thriller. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I do like when these uh, sort of like second tier blockbuster movies get released on 4K. Like, it's not like a huge one that's like you know, withstood the test of time, but uh, it's always cool seeing movies like this come out on 4K. Yeah, these days a lot of uh, critics seem to be very nostalgic um, for this particular classification of action movie. Yeah. Where it's like it's it's like a low-stakes action movie, at least in terms of the scale of the conflict, where it's just kind of like man versus man problem as opposed to like, we have to save the whole planet from invading forces or something. It's like, no, we just got to stop the guy from shooting the guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like... Um, I, I always have a soft spot for like manhunt movies. Um, man, man versus man stories are always fantastic. I, I love I love that uh, particular formula where it's like you have uh, two big name actors who you spend 90 minutes like leading up to some sort of clash between the two of them. And um, usually due to the charisma of the two performers, like it, it becomes like a, a moral quandary of like, it's like, I know he's supposed to be the bad guy, but I really like him. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like like this genre has mostly moved to like the direct-to-video uh, theater um, in in America anyway. Um, South Korea made made its livings on this particular subgenre uh, over the past decade or so. Although uh, we will come to a release, I think later on this month that uh, really let me down. That kind of fits into this category Ooh. as well. Ouch. Um, but beside that, we have a 4K release of Last Action Hero, which I believe came out in steelbook form uh, previous to this. Uh, we did mention this uh, last month on Catching Up on Blu-ray, so we won't get into it here. Um, but I did get my steelbook copy, uh, my nice. advanced copy, uh, and it looks fantastic. It sounds very good. Um, unfortunately, the movie just didn't quite hold up as strongly as I, I wanted oh, it to. Oh, really? Okay. 
yeah, I've always liked this movie. Like I, I always I always will. It's just now as an adult and now having put so many years under my belt, like having fantasized about making movies after having viewed so many movies, I can't help but be extra critical of it. Uh, mostly just because of the third act, to be honest. Because you ha- you have this this plot device in the form of this ticket that allows you to enter the realm of any film that you you watch and pull extract elements from it. Imagine what you could do with that. Mm-hmm. Like I I know like we didn't exactly have the media and like copyright environment to support like a Ready Player One type situation back in the day, like in the nineties. Like Roger Rabbit was that was monumental for its oh, day. Yeah. Bugs yeah. Bunny and Mickey Mouse on screen together. What? Like that would <laughs> never happen. That was such a big deal. Um, but like Ready Player One is a totally different thing. In fact, like I want to say part of the reason why Spielberg was attached to that project wasn't because they needed him uh, to make the film. It was more just for his clout, uh, for them to be able to obtain access to all of those IP and whatnot. Um, the Last Action Hero has this promise of like, oh my God, the supervillain, he, he can go into any movie universe and pull anything out of it. And then what does he do? It's like, oh, he pulled Ian McKellen out of the Seventh Seal. And by the way, Ian McKellen is left on the loose at the end of that movie. Like, Oh, really? D- Death Personified walks the streets of New York in that film, and he does not return to the screen. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. They could be, with this release, could be setting up a... Uh spin-off follow-up with that uh in mind i kind of hope so maybe not necessarily featuring arnold but it's like like this this movie has a a troubled production history in fact it's a much more interesting production story than a film um apparently the script was brilliant at one point and it got watered down uh, and then all sorts of complications arose in production but yeah i mean just little things like the idea like the prospect of having a fucking t-rex from jurassic park show up at the end or something imagine that imagine like arnold doing battle with the villain in the streets of new york and then all of a sudden a fucking t-rex rampages out of a theater and it's like okay things have escalated that's what you would have gotten if they had made the movie today um, but in the media environment we had in 1993, I, I don't think it was feasible. And I think they ran out of ideas and probably money um, by the time they got to the final act. But anyway, that's enough about that. Um, we also have a Paramount Presents release of Last Train from Gun Hill, which is a 1959 film. Yeah. Well, I just want to mention uh, this one is a little significant because uh, it features a 6K restoration. Six, yeah, six K. Uh, it That's is a lot of K's, Brad. Yeah, <laughs> it's weirdly, it's a six K restoration, but put down, put on a Blu-ray. Um, I'm sure it looks amazing, but uh, it, it is interesting that uh, it would get that kind of restoration and uh, not go on at least four K. But yeah, six K. I, I, I don't know. I can't think of any other uh, restorations off the top of my head that went six K, but kind of, uh, kind of significant, I guess. Yeah, neither can I, but a funny connection. Um, the the cast list on the cover just says Kirk Douglas, who I am a fan of, mm-hmm. uh, so that's a selling point. Uh, and I have been meaning to watch more westerns. And uh, it's also Anthony Quinn, who, if memory serves, uh, plays like one of the lead villains in Last Action Hero. Oh, okay. There you go. I yeah. could be wrong on that, but I seem to remember the, the Italian mafiosa character uh, was Anthony Quinn. But... Yeah, big week for Quinn heads. <laughs> yeah all five of them <laughs> uh, we also have Gattaca on 4k um, I don't know if this 
no, this film has come out on 4K before. Yeah, it was a steelbook before. Yeah, so very, very similar to Last Action Hero. Uh, Gattaca is an interesting film because as a film, I don't have very much to say about it, but as a concept, I mean, we're we're nearly at Gattaca in terms of the way we live our lives today. Uh, so yeah. it's it's especially prescient like today. Um, so its legacy, I think, lives on more as a concept film rather than like a, a story, like, rather than a narrative. Um, but it's it's interesting idea for sure. Uh, we have what appears to be the complete box set of Parks and Rec, uh, and then we have The Awakening from 1980. Uh, as well as Sphinx from 1981. Both of these are Shout Factory releases. They appear to be schlock, but they appear to be juicy schlock, like something something you can chew on, you know? Yeah, Charlton uh, Heston in uh, The Awakening. That's pretty interesting. Ooh, wow. Harlton Cheston in the 80s. <laughs> uh, we also have a Kino release of something called Body Slam, which does not feature any wrestlers on the cover. Therefore, I, I have to call I have to call Party Foul on that. That, that is a... That is a blatant, <laughs> a blatant like lie in terms of what you're promising me. Yeah. Um, we have Voyagers on 4K from 2021. This appears to be a uh, steel book, and it's a Lionsgate. And I'm looking at this cast here, and uh, we have Colin Farrell and Ty Sheridan. Uh, Ty Sheridan's one of those guys that I think producers and directors and maybe his agent have like all the confidence in the world uh, in him. But I, I don't know if he's ever going to connect with audiences in the way that they expect him to. Maybe kind of similar to like a Shia LaBeouf, to be honest. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, they both have the Spielberg connection where uh, Ty Sheridan was in Ready Player One. And it seems like Spielberg occasionally like anoints people as like the next big thing. Like Shia, for sure, got he got the, the wizard's wand touched his brow. But uh, he he ventured off into some strange territory although he seems to have found his footing within said strange territory ty sheridan though i saw him as a kid in a couple of good movies like i think he was good in mud um, yeah and he's fine as cyclops in in those those more recent x-men movies but uh, not good enough because cyclops just happens to be one of my favorite x-men and he didn't really register with me but Colin Farrell, goddamn! Like we have a running gag in our family that Colin Farrell, like we we call him my brother because he basically looks just like my brother. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that makes me sad that he's in this. Um, I, I'm just assuming this isn't good, mostly because I haven't heard of it. But yeah, it I, seems like it'd be pretty bad. Yeah. And uh, beside that, we have the being, which is also a code red disc. Um, this was directed by Jackie Kong, and it does have Martin Landau in it, which, holy shit, uh, that's a that's a hell of a get. Um, I seem to remember uh, reading a review of this in high school on, I've mentioned this before on the show, on a website called badmovies.org, and I think they described it as, like, Idaho's best monster movie. Oh, yeah? I, I think that's what they called it, because it it's like, could you name another monster movie that's come out of Idaho? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, it sounds like Idaho it could be fun, Iowa. though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen an interview with the director. She's a kooky lady. Um, <laughs> it, it, it looks like fun. Um, yeah. And the Martin Landau factor is not to be overlooked. Um, Kindred from 2020, also a Shout Factory disc. Brad, do you know this one? No, definitely seems like it's going after a uh, Rosemary's Baby vibe based on the cover. Um, yeah, I, I can't say I know anything about this one. 
Yeah, uh, I'm kind of shocked because I, I would assume it fits into the uh, horror genre, and generally you're you're pretty up on that. So that that does not bode well for this. Yeah, film's not reputation. a good sign. Uh, but bopping on down, we have the Great War of Archimedes, which is a Japanese film about. I, I believe it's about World War II, but it covers it from a strange angle. Like I think it's like a mathematician or something and his involvement in, in warfare. Okay. Um, which these days is probably the only way that the Japanese can explore that particular time period without having the rest of the world jump down their throats. <laughs> so let's let's take a look at World War Two in a very roundabout fashion. Like, please don't hit us. Um, beside <laughs> that, we have SAS Red Notice appears to be um, this lady, like Brad, it, Ruby Rose. It, it is is she is she really tanking right now or something? Cause oh like, yeah. She she had all the promise in the world. Everybody was all about her. She was getting big roles in big movies, and over the course of like five minutes she just like went down the shitter and now she's doing direct video schlock yeah seemed like she was going to be kind of the next big thing um and it didn't really work out for her unfortunately uh i can't say i've never like i I feel like everything i've seen her in i've liked her to a certain degree i've never disliked her but uh yeah seems like she's really uh dropped off yeah she she really has i want to say that the maybe taking that batwoman role was a was a bad choice yeah it might have been yeah I will say this much though. Andy Circus is on the cover. Um, that that says something about the quality of the film. Uh, not a whole lot, but I do like Andy Circus quite a bit. Uh, bopping on down, um, we have something called French Exit from 2020 with Michelle Pfeiffer. That's a selling point for me. And I want to say that's about it for this week. We also have a box set a Criterion box set uh, by Brackage, an anthology, volume one and two. Uh, so again, not known to me other than uh, by the name of the distributor. <laughs> one, uh, I think we should mention that we did uh, skip over, uh, is Guns for San Sebastian, coming from Warner Archive, Ooh. and uh, starring Anthony Quinn. I mean, come on. This is this oh. guy's week. Oh, shit. So yeah, th- those five Quinn heads out there, they're 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 just opening their wallets and what a time they're going to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do have uh, one that is certified fresh, so it appears to be horror. So I will. Oh, and it's a Shutter original. Therefore, I have to ask you, Brad. Uh, do you know this one? Anything for Jackson from this one is completely unknown to me, which might say that it's time to cancel that subscription. So, okay. Well, that's unfortunate. I, you know, I'm I, I'm sure Shutter gave you something in return. Uh, like hopefully hopefully you had some good times oh for sure i mean i still have it i'm just saying it probably is time so that means i'll probably keep it for another four months so (laughs) give or take yeah uh so yeah let's pop on down to the next week uh so this would be june 22nd and uh, right out the gate we have a title that i already have in my possession albeit not on 4k that would be nobody from 2021 which is headlined by bob odenkirk uh and this is from the director of uh, that first-person Russian film, correct? Yeah, Hardcore Henry. Hardcore Henry. Thank you. Um, and I want to say that the action design was done by... I want to say the 8711 guys were involved in this. Okay. Um, if you're not familiar with them, uh, you've you've definitely seen their work on film. They're, I think they're most noteworthy for the John Wick films. Um, really, all you have to do is keep an eye f- out for Daniel Bernhardt. 
I think I saw him in the trailer and I was like, aha, <laughs> I found yeah. you. And I was like, okay, that that's a selling point. I know, I know it's going to be good at least in terms of the action stuff. So, um, I saw the trailer for this movie and immediately was like, somebody listened to me because I've said it numerous times uh, on the podcast that I, I just have this fascination with, with the idea of non-action people doing action. Uh, I love to see it. Um, for some reason I get, I, get kicks out of it like I've, I've always fantasized about like a john lovitz headlined like hardcore action movie oh yeah it's kind of like seeing uh, albert brooks in drive be like a, a menacing nasty villain where it's just like such a wild turn that's like whoa i wasn't expecting that and same goes for like something like bob odenkirk beating the shit out of people it's like never in a million years would i have expected that i don't expect him to be brilliant at beating the shit out of people but part of the entertainment value comes out of seeing him try his best. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely make it in the film uh, believable because he is rusty in that he has not done like his character has been retired for so long. So it does kind of make sense that he, early on, he's initially a little rough at fighting. Um, but yeah, I, I liked nobody quite a bit. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to check it out. I have it on my shelf on my, uh, my very massive backlog at the moment. I'm approaching Brad levels of backlog. <laughs> hey, it's it's not a bad place to be. It's not a bad... It could be worse. <laughs> I was expecting you to get all huffy about me challenging your title. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just glad to have you at the same level as me. It's like, bitch, there can be only one. <laughs> like, Come and take this crown. <laughs> uh, but beside that, we have Half-Baked, 1998, starring one... Dave Chappelle, uh, this movie was very important, uh, not necessarily to my youth, um, but to pretty much all the people around me. Uh, like, all my friends were obsessed with this movie. Yeah. I thought it was the funniest fucking thing ever. I had to see it a few times. I did enjoy it every single time, although it isn't, like, seared into my memory as well as something like a, a Wayne's World would be. But I, I, I quite enjoy this movie. I, I think it would be fun to go back to. Um, we have a movie that seems to pop up all over the place, like, like on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on, on like my movie, like HBO, I think the other day, uh, career opportunities from 1991. I have no fucking clue what this movie is about other, other than Jennifer Connelly's boobs. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely tell the cover was, uh, the poster done with that, uh, with that in mind for sure. Yeah. It like. I know nothing about this movie, and yet I somehow feel I know everything. Yeah, it it does have a John Hughes connection. I I don't I think I don't think he directed it. I think he just wrote it. But uh... yeah, it it's not known to me beyond that. But yeah, it, needless to say, I won't be picking it up. But uh, I just thought it was funny that it's just been in the periphery of of all these news sources as of late. And here we go. Lo and behold, it's out on Blu-ray. Uh, we also have a. DC animated film on the form of Batman The Long Halloween Part 1. Uh, so apparently they're doing a Part 2. I have heard that the Part 2 is rated R as opposed to PG-13. Mm. Who knows what that means? Um, and I've heard this was okay. Uh, it's based on, I don't know if it was a graphic novel or if it was like a, a special event comic or something. I think it was a graphic novel. Um, Jeff Loeb, I believe, was the writer. And Tim Saleh was the artist. Actually, the artist was largely the reason i i stayed away from it as long as i did i i know he has a good reputation a lot of people are big fans of his just not to my liking um but 
yeah, this is this is like one of the seminal, like really, really important Batman stories. Uh, so it was only fitting that they would get to it at some point in, in the DC animated stuff. Uh, I've kind of hung up my hat when it comes to consuming these films, uh, although this is one that, you know, I would certainly consider if if any of them uh, to to go back to at some point. Um Moving on down, though, we have an Arrow release of Years of Lead, five classic Italian crime thrillers from 1973 to 1977. I bet this is a lot of fun. Yeah, well, have you heard the, uh, it's not really controversy, but the uh, release issue with this one, what's been going on here? I have not, Brad. What's the scoop? Well, Arrow, of course, they are uh, from the UK, and they uh, often release their titles both in uh, North American Region A and uh, the UK Region B. This one is coming out in both. Now, one of these films has uh, a moment that is censored in the uh, Region B UK version. So any listeners across the pond uh, will be getting a censored version of one of these films. There is a scene, and I don't know to what extent it is in the scene, but apparently there is a scene where there are people in a room and there are two rats in a cage and the rats are fighting each other. And I guess it's considered animal cruelty. So it is censored in the UK. And I don't know. I'm assuming they just either crop it out or somehow. Bl- the way they made it sound is it's not like that's like a focal point of the scene. It's just like going on while the scene is being played out. Uh, so, you know, just to, to be aware of that, uh, you know, whether you, you would rather have that be cropped out because, you know, that, that sucks that that happened. Um, but, you know, if you want the uncensored version, you have to go region a so just just a word of warning for anybody out there uh you know you choose your release wisely i guess okay well good old-fashioned uh 70s and 80s italian cinema and their penchant for animal cruelty yeah yeah (laughs) um beside that we have cb4 the movie um if memory serves this is like a almost like a spinal tap type situation correct uh it that's my understanding it, it's like about a rap group and I, I think it's like a mockumentary essentially um, that would make sense yeah phil hartman is in it i didn't know he was in it oh man breaking my heart i miss that guy yeah i love phil <laughs> like, hartman he's he's up there as far as like funny people that i miss the most honestly yeah it's like him and chris farley probably yeah we lost some good people from that uh sort of 90s snl uh era unfortunately i mean i guess was there anybody else besides the two of them i feel like there was might have been one other I don't know. I could be wrong, but I me, mean, he's from an earlier era, but another husky comic, John Candy. I yeah. That guy, yeah. too. Yeah. Like, I mean, for fuck's sake, he had a cartoon, Camp Candy. I used yeah. to watch that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, he, he like like Jerry O'Connell. The room is always happier with John Candy in it. Um, but yeah, thanks for bringing up Phil Hartman. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Sorry to bring up uh, bad memories. <sighs> yeah. From like decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we have a pair of releases from Severin Films. Uh, I very well may end up splurging on one of these. Uh, oh. So this would be Strike, Com- Strike Commando 1 and 2 from 1986 and 1988. Uh, Brad, uh, I wouldn't expect you to know this, but um, there was an internet personality from a while back named Spoonie. Uh, does that name ring a bell? It does not. Okay, well, I I really really liked Spoonie back in the day. Spoonie was wonderful. Okay, uh, Spoonie had a lot of different content he would put out on the internet uh, in in like the early days of like YouTube and whatnot. I think he actually started out like maybe pre YouTube or something. But um, 
and then he moved to like blip tv and stuff but he used to put out stuff about wrestling used to put out stuff about D D. Uh, and he was very big on promoting the filmography of uh, an, a forgotten action star, Reb Brown, uh, who is who is not an action star by any extension. Like, um, but he was special to Spoonie, and therefore he was special to me, uh, because Reb Brown kind of he he kind of sucked, but he was also kind of great. He found his way onto like Mystery Science Theater a lot. Okay, uh, he he was in those kinds of movies. He yeah. was like. I mean, you can tell just by looking at the cover art of the Strike Commando films. It's like, we can't get Dolph Lundgren, and we most certainly can't get Sylvester Stallone, but we want to make movies like those guys make, so let's get Red Brown. <laughs> so he's like He's like the third or maybe even like the fifth choice uh, yeah. for Italian film directors that were ripping off Rambo movies, because apparently that's what the Italian film industry was in the 80s, like zombie movies and Rambo ripoffs. Um, and most of them were headlined by Rep Brown. Um, but yeah, Strike Commando was one of Spoonie's early big hits. Um, one of the other ones was You're the Hunter from the Future, um, which I believe was also put out by Severin a few years ago. And I did okay. buy that. Yeah. And I, I very well may buy this one as well. Well, let me just uh, let you know. I don't know if you know, but they've got the uh, Severin mid-year sale coming up this weekend. Um, I don't know if this episode will be out before that or after that but uh coming up the weekend of june 25th or something like that uh i this will not be on sale it's too recent of a release but if you're looking to buy it and you want to buy it now and you want to pair it up with some other older releases while they're on sale could be worth doing um also i'll mention the 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 euro crypt of christopher lee collection also uh coming out this week from severin which is a bunch of uh european christopher lee movies which uh I've heard is a pretty pretty awesome set, so that's another another Severin title you can put on. If it won't be on sale for the big sale, because uh, it's got everything six months old, it's got to be at least six months old for it to be part of the sale. But I might throw in a few of the uh, new releases, even if I got to pay, you know, mostly full price for them. Okay, well, thanks so much for the inside scoop on that, Brad. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm definitely gonna hit up that sale. Like, yeah. I may not get anything, but I'm at least gonna take a look. Last, last time out, I I was pleasantly surprised uh, with some of the stuff I found at the uh, Vinegar Syndrome sale. But, yeah, but yeah, I'll have to check out the Severin one. And yeah, Brad, I look forward to the day that you know, like maybe one of, if not both of our shows get big enough that like maybe we can like put out a coupon code or something uh, oh, during amazing. one of these episodes. That would be pretty fucking tight, wouldn't it? That's the dream. That's all I want in this world is to be acknowledged yeah. by these labels that I give thousands of dollars. <laughs> I mean, it's the very least. <laughs> like that's right? all I can ask for. <laughs> Come on, we're selling these things for these companies. We're doing more work than them. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we're pounding the pavement, the yeah. digital pavement. God damn it. Gosh darn it. Uh, but um, moving on, we also have Invaders of the Lost Gold from Severin Films. I uh, love the cover art for that. The the colors, the color arrangement is fantastic that on is that. Nice. Uh, we have a Japanese film from Arrow, Irezumi, from 1966. Uh, we have Fool for Love, which is a uh, 1985 film put out by Scorpion Releasing, who seem to be working their way towards becoming one of those uh, schlock schlock distributors but with a with a dash of class i guess yeah uh we have a shout select release of human nature from 2001 uh oh wow this is a michel gondry film yeah and Uh, written by charlie kaufman i believe as well hosh and produced by spike jones 
Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I didn't gloss over this because that is a hell of a pedigree. Yeah, I'm curious about this one because I've never watched any clips or trailers, but just all the covers I've seen for it always make it seem like it's just like a really goofy, dumb comedy. And with that pedigree, it seems like there's got to be something more to it. Um, so I I'm, I'm definitely will be picking this one up at some point because I do want to see this movie. I mean, I, I like I like all those names. No, let me know how it goes because that is incredible. That is a lot of talent behind the behind the lens um yeah holy shit and the cover really undersells it too like i mean obviously i don't know if it's good or not but it's kind of a nondescript cover yeah uh we have the unholy from 2021 brad do you know this one because this appears to be a horror film i do know this one this one did get a theatrical release i want to say it stars jeffrey dean morgan um Correct. yeah I, I don't know much besides that no, I was I was kind of intrigued just because you know it's it was a theatrical release horror movie. I didn't hear many good things about it, but uh, yeah, I might check it out at some point if it shows up on Shutter. I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, I saw a lot of YouTube ads for this yeah. um, around the time of its release. Uh, looks like Carrie Elwes and uh, <laughs> man. After Princess Bride and like Twister and stuff like Carrie L and like Liar Liar like Carrie L was I want to say he fell off and now he's just like cashing in on his saw money these days yeah it's like I, well I didn't really mean to be but I guess I'm a horror guy now yeah <laughs> like I'm part of that family I didn't really yep. I fell ass backwards into it in a very small movie from decades ago but no now those seems to be like the roles I'm most known for so like was it black christmas and this like and and of course some of the more recent saw sequels it seems like he's part of the horror family these days um and bill sadler's in there as well death himself okay (laughs) yeah that's kind of i'm intrigued i'm intrigued yeah you know jeffrey dean morgan is a selling point for many i like him i like him yeah i i i do too i don't i don't watch his stuff I just like him. I just yeah. think he's a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. And Brett, did you know you can play as him in Tekken 7? Oh, as uh, his Walking Dead character? Yes. I think I did know that, yeah. <laughs> you should get Tekken 7 just so you could do that. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool, honestly. You mean I get to be Jeffrey Dean Morgan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty fucking cool. But, yeah. Um, we have a Warner Archive collection release of Chain Lightning from 1950. This is a Humphrey Bogart film. Uh, can't say I've ever actually seen a Humphrey Bogart film. I'm a bad person and I'm not a true cinemaphile. I'm sorry. I mean, boy, now that you mention it, I'm trying to think if I have either. Yeah, we, we got we got a lot of gaps in our in our uh, film diet that we got to fill out at some point. Yeah, but, that's a, that's embarrassing. Yeah, but bopping on down, we have a Criterion box of uh, the Signifying with a apostrophe works of Marlon Riggs. Uh, I do not know who one Marlon Riggs is. Uh, he's a handsome fella, uh, if that's him on the cover. It's from 1986 to 1995. I kind of, I kind of love that title. Uh, yeah. Again, not sure what I'm getting, but sure, we'll we'll go with it. I'll, I'll uh, just butt in real quick here. I I have seen a Humphrey Bogart movie. I've uh, The Big Sleep. I have seen The Big Sleep. So just okay, throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Going by Kyle logic, that makes you a better cinemaphile than me. Not not trying to <laughs> humble brag. I just want to clear the air. <laughs> No, thanks for disclosing that. Yeah. But, um, we also have It Happened at the World's Fair, which is also a Warner Arch- Archive collection from 1963. This appears to be an Elvis film, and if my eyes do not deceive me, uh, the World's Fair that they're referencing there is the one in Seattle featuring oh. the Space Needle. So that's kind of cute. Um, and I'm just going to skip on down because of the Seattle connection. Uh, we have 
on this week of June 22nd, uh, one of, if not maybe the most anticipated release of the year for me, uh, that would be the Paper Tigers from 2020. Uh, this is a well-go disc, and this movie on paper is like perfect for Trevor. Like, like this, I, I'm already kind of obsessed with this movie and I still haven't fucking seen it. Um, and this movie just kept offering me more and more surprises as the, as the release kept creeping up. Um, so I learned at some point that this film was filmed in my hometown of Seattle. Uh, I'm not one of those transplants. I was born and raised in this town, have lived here for over 30 years. Uh, and looking at the trailer, I was like, I know that parking lot. Really? Like it's not, it, it's like not even a, a important part of the town. Like it's not like a huge landmark. It's just like a corner. And I'm like, I know that. Like that's my town. And you know, Seattle is becoming like a, a really big city in this country, like largely because of Amazon whatnot. Yeah. But but it's very seldom seen on film, like as it as it truly exists. Uh, mostly because there's a running gag of Seattle movies are generally filmed in Vancouver, BC because it's cheaper and it looks close enough it really doesn't but um, but it's it's all it all comes down to economics it's, it's just too expensive to film here generally uh but this movie apparently was filmed in seattle and i can confirm that a lot of the street sequences at the very least yeah i recognize those places and what's more the director is from olympia uh, oh, which okay. is 70 miles south of seattle and is in fact the town in which i went to college uh so i'm like holy shit local connection that's pretty cool uh, yeah, and uh, what's more, not quite a local connection, but um, the cast is made up of a wonderful like who's who of that guys from the past several decades of American action cinema. So let's see here. We have the uh, the Yuan brothers, um, both of whom have been in pretty much any American action movie from the 1980s and 1990s that called for an Asian male with martial arts ability. <laughs> you've seen both of these guys um in fact one of them uh was in batman begins in a non-action role uh, he was just one of the guys that was at uh the the water plant uh when they discovered that the drugs were being put in the in the water supply mm. um so you have a whole bunch of veterans in the cast like actually playing characters with speaking lines they're not just there to fall down and they're headlining the film it's, it's wonderful um, but in addition to that, some of the people that are like doing the heavy lifting when it comes to the stunt work, um, there's a collective of people on uh, YouTube. I think it, I think they're just called the Marshall Club. I've sent I sent you a video of them. Uh, they did a Mortal Kombat sketch. Mm, yeah, uh, Scorpion versus Sub Zero, and they are very much from the Jackie Chan school of martial arts. Although they they're very varied in their in their skill set. Uh, they've done other videos aping the style of like Jet Li and Yuan Wuping and, and people along those lines. And those guys are in this movie. And I got to see them in the trailer, and I was like, holy shit, they graduated from fucking YouTube to fucking Hollywood. And not just Hollywood, but like Seattle Hollywood, which is probably not as good as Hollywood, <laughs> but but whatever. And yeah, like I, I follow them on the Instagram and whatnot, and they were posting photos of like them on the red carpet. They had a fucking premiere in my backyard, basically, that I, I wanted to go to, but covid <laughs> but yeah this this movie is incredibly exciting for me personally and uh i i've already paid for it it just has to get to my door at some point so this this is like at or near the top of my like watch list yeah i feel like this was made for you man oh yeah no somebody somebody like had a 
tel- telepathic connection with me when they came up with this idea because it, it's it is very much for me so i'm super excited to check this out yeah um, but but enough out of me brad uh you got anything else to say about the June 22nd releases? I'll just quick mention uh, Siberia with Willem Dafoe. Um, looks like a garbage direct-to-video Lionsgate release, but it is directed by Abel Ferreira, who I have not seen any of his films, but he is a, you know, a pretty accomplished filmmaker from what I know. So uh, definitely seems like it might be a little uh, better and classier than the cover it makes it seem. Yeah, it's fairly nondescript, and I hate to say it, but that title is problematic when it comes to media yeah too many things are called siberia it's pretty generic yeah i can think of a video game and i think a keanu reeves movie by the same name yeah it's not even an old keanu reeves movie it's like from three or four years ago (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah that that's not a good choice uh for a title um but it's willem dafoe so you know at least he'll be good yeah uh we also have a criterion release of visions of eight um the cover for the strangeness from 1985 is fitting. I don't exactly know what I'm looking at, but it's compelling. Uh, is that Jeff Goldblum? Yes, it is. Uh, Adam Resurrected from 2008. I have, I have to assume this has to do with the uh, uh, European theater of World War II. Um, it looks like a heavy drama, but unfortunately, it has a late 2000s Jeff Goldblum in it. So I, I would imagine might have some trouble taking his part seriously yeah um, yeah those also features uh willem defoe so i mean it's just another this is a great week for the defoe heads out there oh defoe yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a he is one of the hardest working actors out there uh yeah. we mentioned ethan hawk last time we spoke he may as well be the, like a parallel to ethan hawk in terms of his output He'll do anything for anyone. Oh, actually, Tim Robbins is the guy who's known to do anything for anyone. Yeah. Like, Tim Robbins is the man who does favors. Like, he works. If you ask, he'll show up. Yep. Only problem is people don't ask anymore, but when they do, he shows up. Yeah. doesn't matter who they are or for what reason. <laughs> like, Tenacious D, yeah, that he didn't really need to be in that, but he was, and he tried. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Oh fuck! There's something called Night of the Sicario from 2021. You know the the marketability of the Sicario brand, and it, it makes me sad to think that it's a brand, is deeply upsetting to me, because like, it, there's so many people who I want to assume are really into the Sicario franchise. And I say that with air quotes, without actually knowing what Sicario is or what it's about. Because if you've seen the movie, it's like, this is not franchise material. No, no. <laughs> like, the Day of the Soldado was such a bizarre sequel. Even, like, uh, I think it was in the last week, there was a Sicario Steelbook. And I don't know, just the way that Steelbook was designed, it just to me makes it seem it like... It looks like a David Ayer film. It does. It's like almost like not getting the point of the movie, in that's, my opinion. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. I, I, It makes me sad to know that sicario of all things is massively marketable to a certain subset of people it's like it's not that kind of movie no, <laughs> like, no. it really shouldn't be but apparently it worked it's apparently people got a different like fulfillment out of it because there's a reason we got day of the soldado and there's a reason it's as shit as it is yeah um i'm not a big fan of that sequel it it troubles me just to know it exists um and yeah it the number of re-releases we get for that film is 
staggering. Although, is this uh, this Knight of the Sicario? Is this actually connected in any way, or is it? It's some... not, but yeah, brand, it's... but the name. You know? It's got to be a, like some legal gray area because it's just like Sicario means hitman, of course, as we all know from the movie. From the movie, like, yeah. I, I doubt many people knew that before they saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the the marketability of Sicario is is bizarre to me but it shouldn't be honestly given the state of our country but you know whatever yeah well there you go um i will point out that uh there's a an a strange release here uh camino from 2015 from mvd visual uh the reason why i want to draw attention to this is that it's headlined by zoe bell who brad do you know who that is yeah she was in um wasn't she in uh death proof i want to say right yeah yep Yep. Yeah, she was the lead in Death Proof. Uh, she was uh, Uma Thurman's stunt double in most of Quentin Tarantino's films. Uh, she's a, I think she's Aussie, or she might be from, she might be a Kiwi. I could have that totally wrong. But uh, she works with Tarantino quite often. In fact, she has a small role in uh, The Hateful Eight, just as an actress. Um, so apparently the two of them get along. Um, and she's in recent years has gotten to be an actress slash action actress in some films uh, one of which i own called raise uh which is kind of it's very trashy but at the same time it's very good in terms of action quality uh, it's like a, a lady prison fight movie okay um which is a particular subgenre of film from a bygone age um but that's kind of the point of the film they're doing like a, a play on on that um and she's she's great in it like she she really uh throws down pretty hardcore in that movie and uh this film was intended to be like a follow-up to that in terms of like her headlining action films okay um but it got like lost in the fold i think there's a dvd of it that exists um but beyond that it didn't really get much of a release uh so this came out of nowhere um and i've i've never forgotten about so i might actually check out camino yeah, she also had a great uh, little guest starring stint on uh, Lost in season four, uh, which uh, she, I remember. Uh, I think I was I was kind of hyped because it was like she, they were coming. She was coming off a of Death Proof, and I was like, "Oh, they got this uh, girl from the Quentin Tarantino movie is going to be on Lost. Very cool." And uh, she's not in it much. She's not in it in very much. She's uh, in and out pretty quick. <laughs> well, if memory serves, Lost was filming filmed in hawaii so it's probably a hop and a skip from her hometown oh so it's that, probably yeah, like, that what uh, do we have a lady like they can get here yeah, in a jiffy yeah. it's like yeah sure <laughs> that's cool though i didn't know that i've never actually seen lost oh you gotta check it out man i'm i'm this close if i just i, I want to watch it but i feel like i could see it getting a 4k release i just feel like it's that kind of show and i'm just like ah, i don't know how to, i feel like if i start watching it on blue it's gonna come out in 4k and i'm gonna kick myself i'll start all over so well i'll put like like put put a pause on that brad like we're approaching the point we're approaching critical mass here where we might have to do another backlog boogie episode yeah uh because i'm like i said i'm not kidding my backlog's starting to grow and i know yours is don't pretend oh, yeah. it's not so we should probably both work on clearing that out that's true that's fair that's fair uh um, yeah but let's bop on down to the next week. Actually, real quick before we get to the next week, I want to point out on uh, the 25th, so this Friday, uh, because it's part of the Severance sale, we've got on 4K Blood for Dracula, which um, stars Udo Kier, and it's a uh, Dracula film from the 70s. Uh, somehow has Andy Warhol. His name is attached to it. Um, I don't know much about this, but uh, I got to say I love the artwork. And uh, I'm kind of, I might pick this up in the Severance sale. Again, it won't be on sale, 
but uh, it's like a three disc set. Seems pretty stacked, and I do like Udo Kier. So I mean, this could be uh, this could be a hit. Yeah, to quote the man himself, "I was born a vampire." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody loves Udo Kier. He is he he is a kooky man. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Klaus Kinski, but he seems kind of cool. Klaus yeah. Kinski seems terrifying. Udo Kier seems weird, but in like a delightful way. Um, I don't know anything about this movie either, Brad, but I think I saw something on the Instagram the other day from the publisher that uh, might, I think it was just hyping up the picture quality or something. I don't think it was anything to be worried about, but uh, it does seem like they're they're hyping this one up quite a bit. Yeah, there was a little bit of uh, some drama where I guess there's a movie that pairs with this that's also presented by Andy Warhol called Flesh for Frankenstein. I don't know if they're actually connected in some way, but I think IMDb does list them as sequels to one another. And so Severin announced this, and everyone's like, what about Flesh for Frankenstein? Are you going to release that? And eventually they got so many people like tweeting at them and responding to them that they said, we are not releasing Flesh for Frankenstein. Some other distributor will be releasing it later this year. And so then everybody's like, who, who is it? Who is it? And eventually uh, people started thinking it was Vinegar Syndrome. So many people started reaching out to Vinegar Syndrome that they basically were like, they had to be like, yeah, we didn't want to announce it this way, but yeah, fuck it. We are releasing it. So thanks, guys. Thanks. So, <laughs> way to spoil your own surprise. Yeah. But, Jackass. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of weird how that uh, all went down. But yeah, so if you're a big fan of these two movies, it's, I mean, you're going to be in heaven this year. Okay. Well, big news for Severin. Yeah. And and also, you know, Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, but yeah, thanks for drawing attention to that. I otherwise would have skipped over that. But um pop on down to the final week of the month and that would be june 29th and right out the gate we have a very big release in the form of a 4k disc of willy wonka and the chocolate factory this would be the gene wilder version of the film uh, from 1971 uh i love this film uh i'm sure a lot of people like pretty much anybody who grew up watching this film has a very soft spot for it uh this film's great it's wonderful yeah yeah I'd, i'd love to watch this on 4k but it looks great Oh, yeah. I'll have to ask my girlfriend if she's seen it, uh, because if she hasn't, I might actually just buy this and sit her down and have her watch it. Yep. Uh, Because really, you're you're missing out if you haven't seen it. There's not much more to be said other than fucking buy it, watch it, enjoy it. (laughs) Um, We have a Criterion release of Pickup on South Street from 1953, as well as an Arrow release of Major Dundee from 1965. Uh, and beside that, we have Walking the Edge from Fun City Editions. Uh, I've started to get an eye for uh, for their cover art. Um, they have a particular look to their releases. Um, this is not known to me, but I will say this much. It has Robert Forster in it, so we're, we're keeping the Forster train alive. Uh, he's uh, post-mortem at this point, but his, his movies keep coming out at a slow trickle, like seemingly month to month. Um, and beside that, we have a release that I recommended to you, I think, last time we spoke. Uh, this would be Katsuhiro Otomo's uh, Memories. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, uh, this is from 1995. This is an anime, uh, but it's a, a short film collection. So it's a trio of short animated shorts, each of which has a, uh, a specific concept they're trying to explore uh, with the visual medium. Uh, and it's spectacular. Um, from a vo- audiovisual standpoint, this is really incredible stuff. Uh, it's it's not experimental except on a technical level. So from a narrative standpoint, 
it's mostly very easy to digest so it's not daunting like it it doesn't feel intimidating to plunge plunge into uh but on a technical level if you if you see anything about how this shit was done blow your fucking mind brad yeah (laughs) um there there there's one behind the scenes featurette i i own the dvd for this um but i'm very much considering upgrading to blu-ray because i really do enjoy it um there's one featurette on one of the shorts that uh shows the way they executed this one complicated camera movement and uh the background painting that they drew for it is like the size of an airplane hanger or something it's it's not that big but it's it's like a 30 foot wide canvas or something that they had to take like a camera a crane and maneuver the camera across all the while animating the figures in the shot and stuff it's it's bonkers it's like why the fuck would you do that other than to say you did it right (laughs) but yeah i would highly recommend this if you if you just want to see some pretty pictures and hear some cool sounds that's cool that is cool i want is there any uh behind the scenes featurettes on this do you know or uh if memory serves my dvd does have that i would imagine the uh the blu-ray would include that as well yeah Uh, i I haven't checked the specs of the disc um but even without that still still worth picking up it's not too expensive either as far as i know nice yeah I, i might have to consider this yeah yeah um Moving on down, we have In Harm's Way, which appears to be a, a Paramount release starring John Wayne and Kirk Douglas, an all-American film if ever there was one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also have uh, The General's Daughter from 1999. It's kind of a, it's another one of those 90s thrillers. I do kind of remember this one. Uh, it's more of a courtroom drama, but it's uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, and then we have uh, your favorite, Brad, uh, the AGFA, the American yes. Genre Film Archive, paired up with Shout Factory, putting out The Leather Boys from 1964. You think you'll pick this one up, Brad? Uh, probably not. I've got a few other uh, AGFA titles that I would put higher up on my list that I still haven't gotten around to. Um, but I do like uh, what they've been doing Um just the the stuff they've been releasing. I don't know too much about this actual film. Um, I kind of assumed it was a uh, porno when they first announced it, but it it is not, from what I understand. It is uh, family-friendly, as far as I can tell. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's definitely worth your time. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I mean, AGFA is one of those labels I keep an eye out for now after you told me about the one picture of theirs you picked up. Yeah. Um, We have uh, a release of Delirium, from 1987 this is put out by code red this is a uh, lamberto bava film uh, who is uh, of uh, demons fame yep um i don't know this one by reputation but i, I of course know demons uh, that one always looked like a lot of fun to me and the yeah. sequel as well um I'm going to kick it over to you, Brad. What what jumps out at you next? Um, we've got a few other uh, Vinegar Syndrome partner labels I can mention. Uh, Adoration is from Altered Innocence, which uh, I, I guess I think their whole, uh, you know, bit is like sort of like very uh, young romantic sort of uh, films. And this is kind of a, a romance of uh, two teens that run away with each other or something. Don't know too much about it. I do want to mention, uh, I think it's pronounced Shiva Baby, which is another Vinegar Syndrome partner label, uh, Utopia, put this one out. And I've heard really good things about this film. It is a recent release uh, from last year, and I've actually heard it compared in some ways to the movie we reviewed, Uncut Gems, just in the uh, terms of it being like an anxiety-inducing experience. Uh, It's about a young woman 
who uh, I guess uh, she is a, a, a prostitute um, and she's paying to put herself through school. And I think she goes to like a bris or something and her uh, her sugar daddy is there. And so she has to deal with the, the drama of that. And it kind of all, you know, keeps getting more and more stress and anxiety inducing. Uh, so not like quite as like violent, I don't think, as uncut gems, but certainly in terms of the uh, the feel of the film, I've heard them compared to one another. So I, I'm I don't know if I'll buy this on Blu-ray, but I do really want to watch this movie. I, I feel like I would really like this one. Yeah, Shiva Baby sounds sounds like a lot of fun. I think it um, would be. Yeah. It, it it almost makes me think of like a open door farce or something, but with the I don't know the drama levels heightened to the point of being like authentically dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> like there's actual stakes, but uh, it sounds it sounds like on a conceptual level that does sound really charming. Yeah, um, I'll have to keep that one on my radar. I hadn't heard of it before. Uh, but moving on, we have Night Terror from 1977. This is a Scorpion releasing disc. Uh, it doesn't really jump out at me beyond the label. Yeah. Uh, we have Trail of the Lonesome Pine from 1936. We have Just a Gigolo from 1978. This is a David Bowie film. Um, and as far as I recall, like in having glanced at the, the releases this month ahead of time, I don't think that's the last time David Bowie appears on this, this calendar month. Uh, night after night, 1932. Uh, what else we got? Lots of Mae West movies. If A lot of Mae West. Head, you're in you're in high heaven this week. Yeah, we got Anthony Quinn and uh, Mae West fans. You yeah. you will you will not be disappointed. The month of June 2021. Nope. Uh, we have a release of Steve McQueen's Le Mans uh, from 1971. I, I thought about checking that movie out a couple of times there. Uh, what is this mail order murder? The story of Wave? Oh, this, I just found out what this is about, like, yesterday. I am very intrigued about this. So it's a documentary, and I could be wrong, but Wave Productions basically was like a made-to-order fetish video service where you could tell them what your fetish was, and back in the day they would make, like, a short film based on that fetish to you know get you off and that sounds like a very interesting documentary um just and seeing some of the stuff that they would make uh again i don't know if i would actually pick this up on blu-ray but uh i i think that would be a very interesting watch and it, it is a uh I, vinegar syndrome it says vinegar syndrome i thought it was a partner label but maybe it is vinegar syndrome yeah i'm not sure on that but um yeah I I would totally watch this. This sounds really fascinating. Um, have you have you heard of that movie that just came out called Censor? Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, I don't know why I've heard of it. Uh, I mean, I've seen reviews popping up for it in the past few weeks, but it sounds good. It's kind of like a psychological horror film uh, about, uh, I believe it's like a woman in the 70s um, that's having to censor films, but it, it covers a lot of, films that would kind of fit into this category where uh, I think they called them video nasties. Yeah. Where it's like, is it, is it a snuff film or is it, is it not? It's kind of like, I guess the film itself was heavily inspired by Videodrome, at least from a stylistic standpoint and okay. maybe even a conceptual one, but um, it makes me think of that. But yeah, this mail order murder documentary sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, um, another Agfa release uh, over here, which I feel like it might be something up your angle. Uh, the Treasure of the Ninja and the films of William Lee, who is just like a uh, local uh, 
aspiring martial artist from what I understand and he would just make these super low budget martial art movies which uh, would probably be pretty charming to watch not really my thing but I, if you're into that I feel like it could be fun yeah you you, you got me pegged Brad uh, that that does pique my interest <laughs> um, and I will I will plug it again it's not a very highly rated episode of catching up on cinema but it's one that I would I would recommend anyone check out uh, uh, Kung Fu Elliot is a documentary that uh, I think is underseen and underappreciated, but uh, it was right up my alley. I yeah. got a lot out of it. But um, yeah, Treasure of the Ninja uh, looks pretty fun to me. Um, and yeah, I was not wrong. Uh, we do have one more David Bowie-related title coming yeah. out this month in the form of Stardust from 2020. And I want to say this movie flopped, like critically or otherwise, because this movie should have been a big fucking deal. Um, because for the for a while there, I was kind of like joking to myself, okay, David Bowie and Prince, which one's going to get a movie first? Uh, looks like David, Bo- David Bowie did, but it wasn't good because nobody's talking about it. Because <laughs> um, I, I don't know anyone who said a fucking word about this movie. Yeah, I've just heard pretty much bad things about it. Uh, seems like it was pretty much just swept under the rug. Totally. No, it, it got buried because I, I never even saw a review, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so maybe Prince will fare better. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, you, you can't tell me they're not going to try. Like, of course they're going to try. It's fucking Prince. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't try after Bohemian Rhapsody. The success of that. That that's what I was getting at. Yeah, is that it's like we we're in the middle of this wave. Like like obviously they're going to try, but maybe things got derailed when this one didn't so, do so hot. Um. But yeah, moving on, uh, we have a couple more Criterion releases, or well, many Criterion releases, actually. Yeah, I think they're all just re-releases. Um, uh, so that'd be King of the Hill from 1993, Francis Ha from 2012, George Washington from 2000, and Love Streams from 1984, Breaking the Waves from 1996. And I think there was one that we skipped, but I'm not about to go back over it. Um, and the very last thing we have is Death Collector from... Tin Star Void, who do not even appear to have an entry on Blu-ray.com. Hmm. So yeah. maybe they're a brand new distributor, but this film is from 1988, apparently. I like the um, clear case. I like the clear case. You got a clear case, you automatically have my interest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Brad, Brad goes to great lengths to secure his clear cases. Yeah. Uh, he will not allow himself to be screwed over, screwed out of a clear case. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that's about it for the month of June 2021. So as is customary, we'll wrap things up by just giving a, a summary of anything we might rent or potentially buy uh, this month. So I'll, I'll give Brad a second to collect his thoughts here. So I'll, I'll go through things from bottom to top. Uh, so it looks like uh, June 29th, um, I might upgrade my DVD of Katsuhiro Otomo's Memories to Blu-ray. Uh, because I really do love that that anthology. Um, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, my choice of picking that one up is predicated on whether or not my girlfriend has seen it. Yeah. Um, if she has, it can wait. Uh, if she hasn't, absolutely not. <laughs> like, that's what we're doing that weekend. Um, and the Paper Tigers, like I said, it's already paid for. Uh, it's just working its way to my door via the uh, mail. Uh, so as soon as it gets here, uh, that's not going in my backlog. That's going directly into the player. Uh, that is 
that is immediately going to be watched and hopefully enjoyed. Uh, nobody is sitting in my backlog, and if Piper Tigers arrives before I watch it, it will remain there probably for a little while longer. Uh, Strike Commando might pick that one up. Um, uh, there were a couple of Ultraman releases we didn't talk about that actually did catch my eye. Oh, well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't need them. Uh, I, old man's, Ultraman is a young man's game, and I am not a young man anymore. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong, I can unfortunately wait. Uh, I, I, I burnt myself out on it the month it came out on HBO. Um, Last Action Hero, I already have. Um, sorry 21 bridges i'm not I'm, you're not getting my money no matter how many times you get re-released yeah your seventh copy of 21 bridges <laughs> undercover punch and gun like i said i already have the the hong kong version of the disc kind of regrettably i probably shouldn't have paid for that um indiana jones sorry not gonna not gonna upgrade just yet um and uh, that that primal show the gendy Tartakovsky show I might actually check that out same I don't buy com- comedies very often but I do actually have a soft spot for in and out <laughs> um, I don't think I'll buy it but it it is on my mind now so maybe I'll look it up on like a streaming service or something yeah and that's about it for me Brad what you got well uh I mean rat race going for 9.99 right now fuck why not 10 bucks Jeez. shit I, sp- I spent 10 bucks on my lunch half the time so why not throw in <laughs> rat race into my cart um it's probably all for that uh week there um let's see i think i'm gonna pass on indiana jones for now for now at least um i'm sure eventually i will upgrade but uh um i might pick up last train from gun hill i i think that could be a fun western and i don't know the 6k restoration has me kind of curious like it seems like how would you even be able to like my eye cannot tell the difference but um, I do like that Paramount Presents label, so that's definitely uh, one I might pick up. Um, I probably will get uh, Human Nature, uh, just because of the names attached to it, and uh, that Blood for Dracula, I probably will pick it up in the Severn sale, uh, especially because I have a thing with my 4Ks where I have very few that don't have a slipcover, so if I'm going to buy something on 4K... I got to buy it while there's a slipcover available, so I probably will get that there. Um, And I uh, will probably either watch or buy Shiva Baby. I haven't decided. I I mean, that one, again, another limited slipcover that I might have to just buy it, bite the bullet and make a purchase. Um, And I forgot to mention, uh, The the Courier, uh, definitely a rental because of the buck factor. So that, that, that one is a definite rental. No buy, but a rental. The Courier with a buck factor of five. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I forgot the stylist. Um, I don't think I'm going to buy that, but now that ah, I, I feel like because it, it's been squirreled away in my memory for so long, I, I should probably just like find a way to watch it and just get it over with. Yeah, you might have to. I want to yeah. know what you think. I want to know what you think of it. I mean, honestly, Brad, I don't even really know what it is. Like, yeah. I just, I just like read about it and saw like a teaser for it at the right time, and I, I put it, I squirreled it away in my brain as something to pay attention to. So, yeah, I, pr- I probably should take care of that. But 
yeah, I guess that's about it for uh, the June 2021 edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray. Uh, but before we go, uh, Brad, do you want to let the folks at home know how they can find you and all of your internet what's-its? Yeah, uh, you can find the show. It's the Cinema Speak podcast, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, just search for us. We're on Twitter, at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram, Cinema Speak Podcast, and uh, on the web, cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Alrighty, thanks for that, Brad. And uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have a couple social media accounts in the form of a Twitter, at Catching Cinema, as well as an Instagram, at Catching Up on Cinema. So feel free to hit me up there and uh, let me know all the things I got wrong on today's broadcast. Uh, and the show is available on pretty much any podcasting platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking google it uh but that being said thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time